Hello, welcome once again to You Know Nothing, Jon Snow, a Game of Thrones podcast. I am one of your co-hosts, Philip, from the state of New Hampshire in the U.S. of A., and with me in the state of Michigan. <laughs> this is Eric. Yeah, I don't know why I paused. I almost said Massachusetts for some reason. I have no idea. <laughs> but, uh, Eric, how are you, sir? I am well. Excellent. And in the state of New York? This is Mike. Mike, how's it going? Okay, I'm looking for my phone. There it is. I was looking for my phone. Um, I'm fine. How are you doing, Phil? Good, good. Very well. And so uh, this is, um, as we stated, the You Know Nothing, Jon Snow, a Game of Thrones podcast, where we discuss uh, the weekly episodes of Game of Thrones. Uh, and um, before we get into further things about uh, Game of Thrones, the episode, emails, and so forth, um, Eric, what does everybody know about a podcast that you do with your buddy Dan? It's a general interest podcast called the Scancity Podcast. That's spelled A-S-K-A-N-C-I-T-Y. You can find it on the Stitcher app and on the iTunes store. Excellent. And, uh, Mike, you do a genre blog where you've actually posted a couple of uh, posts, like three of them, I think, in the past two weeks. Yeah, for, well, it's all relating to the ScareCon weekend that we went to as invited guests. And, uh, yes, it's the uh, blog is called Unnatural Selections. That's www.unnaturalselections.com. Yeah, and uh, the ScareCon conference, uh, we uh, went as a podcast. Eric was unable to attend, but myself and Mike uh, showed up representing both uh, You Know Nothing, Game of Thrones podcast, which oddly uh, got as much press or interest from the folks that came by our booth and in our uh, panels as the other podcast that we represented, which was Dark Discussions. And Eric, why don't you let folks know a little bit about the Dark Discussions podcast? Dark Discussions is the original podcast that was... (laughs) Uh, Let me try that one again. It's the original podcast that this one was spun off of, uh, where we talk about uh, horror fiction, film, and all that's fantastic. Uh, And you can find it at darkdiscussions.com. And while you can get the You Know Nothing Jon Snow podcast on the Dark Discussions feed, it also has its own feed. Uh, But for communication... Uh, please use the Dark Discussions uh, means of communication to get in touch with us. So uh, that would be sending an email to darkdiscussions at AOL.com or contacting us on Facebook on the Dark Discussions Facebook group. Yep, that's right. And uh, for folks that are curious about the Dark Discussions podcast that have not listened to it, uh, it's similar to this podcast where instead of discussing intelligently a uh, television show that deserves intelligence like Game of Thrones, we t- uh, instead... Uh, talk intelligently about a genre that deserves more intelligence, which is basically horror, sci-fi, fiction, fantasy, uh, thrillers, techno-thrillers, mysteries, uh, cult films, grindhouse films, exploitation films, drive-in films, and whatnot. And a few examples of uh, some of the movies that uh, we've talked about uh, recently include uh, a horror babysitter film called Emily, brand new, just came out. Uh, Me and Mike uh, did uh, on-site uh, one uh, about Frankenhooker at the Scarathon uh, convention. Another example would be uh, Love Nina, which is a British horror film, art house film. Uh, a couple others. Uh, Eric, do you have any off your hand that you wanted to mention that have been in the past, say, 30 episodes or so? Oh, geez. Uh, no. Yeah, I know. You said, you said Love Nina. You mean Nina Forever? Nina Forever. See, I can't even remember the titles of the films, but that was a Well, I think one. things like, I mean... I, now, Eric wasn't that thrilled with it, but as a zombie fan, I, I enjoyed What We Become. Yeah, that was uh, a good one. The week Denmark. before that was the... Um, uh, oh, what was the, the, the Body Snatchers type story? 
Well, the two friends, you know, the guy. Oh, oh yeah, yeah. This is this is fascinating he, material. He, he's, uh, uh, they look like people. They look like people, right? So that was another one, and I really like the invitation. That was a damn was a good one. So yeah, yeah, yeah. So we've done a lot of recent films like Emily. Uh, they look like people. Uh, what we become, um, and th- such as well as some classic films every so often, like Frank and Hooker and The Omen and Alien and so forth. Uh, so folks can uh, go check out Dark Discussions podcast as well. Um, so a couple things. Uh, we have a new uh, thing up. Uh, for pa- Mike brought this up to my attention at one point. So uh, uh, we went live uh, about a week and a half ago. Uh, Patreon, Patreon, P-A-T-R-E-O-N.com, uh, backslash uh, or slash Dark Discussions. Uh, basically, it is a place where anybody who is interested in You Know Nothing, Jon Snow, a Game of Thrones podcast, or a Dark Discussions podcast that would like to help out the podcast because we are a non-torrent podcast here. We What we do is we each of us spend 15 bucks a month to watch uh, Game of Thrones. Uh, and for Dark Discussions, we buy, rent, or go to the movie theater to and uh, to pay. So we, we watch everything legitimately and review and critique and it, it adds up a lot and uh, we've been doing this now for about five years uh, uh you know nothing for two years and uh so to help the costs of the podcast and we the conventions that we're, go to, we're going to and uh that eric will mention that in a moment about a second convention that we're going to be doing next month but uh it adds up and if anybody who wants to donate anything from one dollar to infinity can and there are quote unquote rewards where, for example, if you choose a five dollar um, uh, donation, uh, you get to help choose the topics for our podcast, uh, the Dark Discussions podcast. If you do uh, um, one dollar, gatekeepers. Well, yeah, you could absolutely. So, uh, folks, you should check that out. Uh, Patreon dot com backslash Dark Discussions, or you can find it on the Facebook group. A link straight over uh, the Facebook group for this podcast and Dark Discussions is the Dark Discussions Podcast Facebook group. But also on darkdiscussions.com, there's a link right on the front page to Patreon. Uh, any help, it would be greatly appreciated. Um, before we get into the other convention that we're going to uh, next month to represent this podcast, as well as Dark Discussions Podcast, uh, Mike, uh, there's some T-shirts still going on? Yeah, we are doing a fundraiser uh We've so of selling T-shirts to a website called Booster.com, B-O-O-S-T-E-R.com, uh, and normally this is a website used for raising funds for various charitable causes, but also personal projects, and so we're using it to help raise money for Dark Discussions podcast. And thanks to listeners like some of you, we have raised enough uh, to offset some of the costs of the upcoming conventions. The T-shirts, there's two designs. There's a black T-shirt and classic horror fan black. With a white skull uh, design that says simply Dark Discussions Podcast. And there's another white t shirt. It's a white, black, and red shirt uh, that says Little Dogs Listen to uh, Little Dogs Love Dark Discussions. Uh, that is, of course, support of Phil and his obsession with dogs, which may end up coming up later in the podcast. Uh, and if you'd like, the t shirts are, I think it was $22 plus shipping and handling. Uh, there is a minimum number. We have passed that threshold, so the T-shirts will be printed at the end of the month, which is June 30th, and then be shipped out shortly thereafter. So you probably would be getting it 
uh, in the mail or sometime in middle of July. They run from uh, extremely tiny little dog sized up to 4XL. So whatever your size is, it's available. Yep, and and, uh, and we've had and we've sold we've sold about twenty uh, about eighteen shirts I think. So anyone who wants to get one is more than welcome to. And uh, if you wear one to scares the care convention, Phil's going to scratch you behind the ears or something. I don't remember what it was. No, actually, if you uh, wear one at his scares the care convention, both myself and Patrick Lacey will both give you copies of our new books that will be debuting at Scares That Care. Uh, in July, so uh, show up with the shirt on if you are at the that convention and uh, get some prizes. Uh, Eric, now why don't you let folks know a little bit about that convention? Uh, it is the Scares the Care Convention Chapter Three. Uh, it will be in Williamsburg, Virginia, July twenty second to July twenty fourth. Uh, Scares the Care is a nonprofit organization that raises funds to try and help out. Uh, burn victims, uh, breast cancer victims, and ill children. Uh, so it's all for a worthy cause, and we will be there uh, all weekend with a vendor table, the 22nd to the 24th, to try and raise some money for the cause. Excellent. Very good. And uh, myself, Mike, Eric will be there, as well as uh, Patrick Lacey, who uh, does a segment on the Dark Discussions podcast. So four of us will be there uh, to discuss Game of Thrones and horror fantasy films and whatnot, and if you folks want to join us for spirits or dinner or both, uh, we'll gladly uh, uh, meet you there. All you have to do is come to our table. We have a booth uh, table there and uh, um, say hi. So, very good. Yeah, and we'll, and we'll be doing things. We'll be raffling off, for example, a, uh, an original Halloween, uh, not Halloween, uh, an original Howling poster donated to us by Michelle Barkley. Uh, we'll, along with some books from, what is the name of the press? Great Old Ones? Oh, yeah, Great Old Ones Publishing, yep. Great Old Ones Publishing and some books yeah. by author MJ Preston. We'll also be doing a Frankenstein panel where there'll be more gifts and goodies given away, uh, because we're just so desperate for attention, we'll give shit to anybody. Yeah, and, uh, some of the books that are being donated, uh, for that would be, uh, by, uh, Tom Herb. Tom Herb is, uh, Pretty uh, well-known uh, horror author. Uh, also, uh, Eric S. Brown, uh, who's wrote, written uh, the numerous Bigfoot War books. Uh, some of the, his books are part of that raffle, uh, among uh, numerous other authors as well. Uh, and uh, some of those books uh, include story, short stories by myself and co-host Christy Schoonover, who is one of our co-hosts for the Dark Discussions podcast, as a matter of fact. So... Um, yeah, that's an exciting time. That uh, should be a good time. So, uh, one month away, exactly one month away. So, um, all right. So that's pretty much uh, the house cleaning. So let's uh, get into some stuff here. Uh, Game of Thrones. Anybody have uh, general news, generic news about Game of Thrones? Uh, actors, uh, news about um, future things. Anything? Anyone? Uh, apparently, some actors have been fired from the show, but we'll get into that in a little bit. Um. <laughs> Uh, yes, there's, there's, there's some people who won't be returning next week. That's true. That's true. So we'll, we'll discuss that. Uh, if there's not any other news, or if there is, uh, we can bring it up right after the emails. But I got, we got two emails, uh, about, uh, the podcast and Game of Thrones. So let's get into them. Uh, one is by someone that has emailed to us before, and another is by someone that we've never heard of before. So, uh, let's, let's check them out. Uh, let's read the one from the person that has emailed us in the past. And this individual is named, uh, Sean Fox. Sean Fox is, I believe is from, uh, Alberta, Canada. Uh, that's too bad for him because Canada sucks, but that's all right for us. Cause we don't live there. Ha! 
All right. Anyway, uh, just joking. Um, <laughs> so here we go. Um, you know nothing, Jon Snow, episode nine, Battle of the Bastards, or Yay Team Sansa. And this is what Sean has to say. He goes, hey, gang, what an episode this was and what a roller coaster ride it took us on. I think this lived up to the hype and added just enough new awesome to really seal it as one of the best episodes of the series so far. Everything from the filming and fight choreography of the huge battle with the infantry, cavalry, bowmen, and hand-to-hand fighting. They paid ode to many great battles and tactics in the sequence, and I salute them for making it one of the more gritty, graphic, and intense battle sequences I have ever seen in film or television. Whether you guessed how it might end, the way they played out the fighting was truly epic. I, for once, actually enjoyed Marine with the slow start of let's make Tyrion look bad again, only to totally turn it around and totally redeem themselves with the Masters' filled ultimatum that led to fiery, Bernie flying dragon fun. <laughs> again, done so well that I really did take part in Daenerys' attack on the Masters of Martyr. The way Tyrion got to make his point and do it in true Tyrion style was fantastic, laying down the new, the new terms. That is the Tyrion I want, the one who is a great mind not to be wasted on stupid drinking and joke sessions. There's nothing wrong with jokes or drinking, by the way. Uh, play- uh, there is on this show. I guess so. I guess so. Uh, well, except for the chicken scene when he was—that was awesome. He drank the guy's booze and then he then he uh, he killed them all. Anyway, uh, played to his That's strengths. Joke. Okay. Continue. Uh, uh, It didn't work. Uh, Play to his strengths, as they are the reasons why he has been one of the most beloved characters in the books and the series. Speaking of Tyrion. uh, The agreement for the Iron Isle ships was fine, and again allowed Tyrion to shine at what he does best verbal swordplay. It seals up another tie to bringing the big battle back to Westeros. This episode really showed how strong Sansa is, and throughout the episode, she only grew stronger still. Her counsel to Jon of not playing into anything Ramsey wants and that he doesn't truly mm. really know who Ramsey is was brilliant. Seeing I'll her have some stuff to say about that during the episode. Fair enough. Uh, seeing her beside Baelish, the white, sorry, it totally had the feel of Gandalf coming to save the day with the Rohirrim charge, but was done fantastic all the same. Seeing the forces of the Vale destroy the Bolton allies, Envelope was a nice touch, as was the chase to Castle Winterfell. Sad to see one one die as he did, but his punching through the castle gate was awesome as his last heroic act. He was. I heard, seen, I heard there were a bunch of cheers in New England when that happened. You're damn right. We don't want no giants. <laughs> as was seeing John go to town on Ramsey after all that has happened, including the game for Rickon. My kudos goes to actor Ewan Rion because his portrayal of Ramsey was by far some of the finest, vilest, and most evil characters around putting Joffrey, Tywin, even older Walder Frey, to shame. Sad to see him go, but nice to see he got to give back to his dogs after starving them for seven days. <laughs> he was always so thoughtful of those around him. One final nod to Sansa and her final wordplay with Ramsay, showing the true fire, strength, and defiance she has now, and some part thanks to him being so vile. She has grown so much, and I am totally behind Team Sansa. I would trust her rule more than Daenerys at this point. Ah, oh, God, no. <laughs> I, am, I, I am wondering when poor Davos will murder the Red Witch. Please insert Eric's, she's a witch! There. She's a witch! And, <laughs> and avenge Shireen's murder. 
Davos looked none too pleased with what he figured out. Uh, I'm, I'm supporting the witch, by the way. Uh, thanks, Jets, as always, for your awesome podcast and hard to believe we only have one more episode to go for You Know Nothing, Jon Snow, which is wrong because we have two. We'll have our wrap-up episode after uh, the season finale episode. I cannot wait to hear your thoughts on this Titanic episode, and thankfully, even when the Game of Thrones season is finished, Dark Discussions is still there, the ever-faithful, honorable, and entertaining friend for we who listen. Uh, thanks again, Sean Fox from St. Albert, Alberta, Canada. P.S. Phil, all this week I have my fingers crossed for the Nukem option for episode 10. And we'll discuss that too tonight. We will. Uh, now, uh, a new person, uh, Adele, Adele Caldwell. Uh, and this is what uh, Adele had to write. Not a dull moment is the title of the email. Wow, this was a great episode. I loved all the little details, like when the army from the array arrived and everyone turned to look at them except Termond, who used it to his advantage. I also saw someone point out that in Season 1, Episode 1, there is a brief scene when Rickon grabs some arrows and runs to John to hand them to him when helping clean up. That's enough of a huge coincidence or a great foreshadowing. I still don't know why Sansa didn't tell John about the letter, but I think maybe exactly. she didn't... Exactly. Thank you. Yes, thank you, Adele. <laughs> we'll discuss that very shortly, too. Uh, but uh, to continue, uh, but I think maybe she didn't want to, him to re- rely on something that was not, that may not happen. Or may sh- she wanted to make a decision for herself without anyone controlling her or stopping her. I can't wait to hear your thoughts and observations. Uh, Adele Caldwell. All right. Well, so thank you are- for writing in, Adele, and that is exactly my huge issue with this. Uh, the Sansa plot in this episode, but we'll get into it. Fair enough. But either way, Team Sansa all the way. Yeah, and, I'm, and, I'm, I'm not against Team Sansa. I'm against Sansa being an idiot. So we'll get into it. I, I very much appreciate uh, hearing from new listeners. That's great because um, we hear from the same couple of people repeatedly, and we love hearing from you as well. But we always like to know that there's more than three people listening because we know we don't listen to it. So I think we're up to five now. Yeah, it's Michelle, Sean, Adele, Adele, um, Holly, MJ, and MJ. <laughs> uh, does MJ count? Um, but speaking of, of old time listeners, I did get a, a a message. I keep forgetting to to, to bring it up. Uh, it was originally sent as a private message on Facebook, so I wasn't sure if I was allowed to share it. Uh, and so I asked, and I was told I was allowed to share it. So this is, of course, from you know who. Michelle Barker. Yes. Um, <laughs> and here it is. I have to tell you, I've been have and I've been having uh, a hellish week between being sick for a flipping week and a half and having no days off due to covering everyone's motherfucking shift. Um, they take yeah. shifts for that. Yes. She's uh, a apparently. Baker. <laughs> yeah, she's a baker. Doing <laughs> having covering everyone's motherfucking shift on top of my own. But I'm not bitter about it. I have not been in a good frame of mind. Last night I finished an audiobook I had been listening to and put on You Know Nothing, Jon Snow. The effect of the podcast you gents do does to me almost what a Valium does. It calms me, soothes me, and helps me get through the shittiest of jobs. Let's just say I would rather spend a night with Ramsey Bolton than make oh. him fry the flipping donuts. I despise that job, and I'm doing it along with my own full-time work until Sunday. Uh so last night, as my anger was rising, I was getting as I was 
getting ready to stand over a hot fryer for an hour and a half doing monkey's work. I put the show on. The anger dissipated. I calmed down. And your voices distracted me enough that the time flew by. I knew standing there that the first order of business when I got up and moving was to donate again. uh, Because she's been donating. She's been harassing uh, us, uh, Phil, actually, for several years now about getting a donate button. She said, it's a small way that on top of capturing and hobbling Gordon, I can show you how much I love the show. Um, thank you, thank you, thank you, and someday I truly hope I can meet you guys in person. I promise I only capture and hobble just one of you. Mm. Just kidding. I, I vote for Mike. Or am I? <laughs> well, all right then. <laughs> Thanks, Michelle. <laughs> oh. I, I vote for Mike too, Eric. Okay, yeah, so it's all you, Mike. Yeah, fine. Um, as long as she makes the donuts, I'll be happy. <laughs> uh, speaking of Michelle Barkley and her, her very generous donations, as well as numerous other folk, uh, one of uh, Michelle Barkley was one of our Patreon uh, folk who uh, donated. Uh, another individual was uh, David Farley. David Farley um, is a member of our Facebook group. He actually um, uh, writes fairly amounts. On the Facebook uh, group, and it was good to see that uh, um, he's just not a a small time folk, but he actually must listen to us a lot because he decided to donate. So we appreciate that as well. Um, now, um, uh, speaking of um, some other items that we're doing, Eric, why don't you let folks know about that calendar that we're we're doing? Well, you know more about it than I do, but we're doing a calendar. Uh, and we're trying to recruit listeners of the show to do the art for the calendar. Uh, and we'll be putting uh, dates of note for uh, the horror genre on the calendar. That's what I know. That's right. And so basically um, anything that's related to uh, horror, sci-fi, fantasy, you know, all that stuff. Uh, we're looking for artwork that we could use as a month for one of the months of the calendar. Uh, any listeners that want to donate uh, either brand new art or things that you've already made that um, you would like uh, to be part of the, the calendar, um, that would be fantastic. It can be Game of Thrones stuff. It can be um, horror stuff. It can be sci-fi stuff. But um, that's what we're, we're trying to do. We're trying to get that together and uh, have it available near the end of this year, probably in the fall. So uh, anybody that wants to participate, uh, I think we have five folks so far. We So we still have about... S- seven months left uh, plus a cover and a back cover um, so about nine spots left if folks want to uh, contact us darkdiscussions at AOL.com uh, and uh, we'll immediately get back to you so uh, that will be greatly appreciated uh, and it could be fun too and help promote uh, the podcast as well as your own artwork as a matter of fact so um, it's a good time it's a good, or a good thing I should say good thing um, all right. So, uh, any other news for Game of Thrones stuff? Anybody? No. Nope. All right. So, uh, I guess we can get into our episode tonight, uh, which is, uh, entitled, uh, Mike, what is it entitled? What is this title? Uh, the Battle of the Bastards. What does that mean? <laughs> there are bastards and they shall battle tonight on HBO. That's right. So it was a uh, review. It's actually a fairly literal, literal title. 
It is actually, yeah, yeah. It's it's kind of insulting, don't you think? Well, it's part of that world. Uh, and I also thought I just thought it interesting that uh, that during this episode that Ramsey had the balls to be just uh, with vitriol hurling the word bastard at Jon Snow when he himself is also a bastard. But um, he's been he's been legitimized. It doesn't matter. He's still a fucking bastard. In his but mind, it mattered. In his mind, it makes a huge difference. He's no well, longer Ramsey he, Snow. He's Ramsey Bolton. He needs to shut the fuck up, and he is so. Well, he's a dick. Yes, but. <laughs> In case you didn't, in he case lost. you missed the subtle plotting of the last three seasons, he's a dick. <laughs> yes, this is known, and a dick taker for that matter. That's true too. Um, yeah, uh, that is true. Yeah. So uh, this episode uh, was season nine or the pen, what, what's it called, Mike? The penultium, the penult- penultimate. penultimate. Yes, penultimate episode of the season, uh, directed by Miguel Sapochnik. Who someone said also directed Hard Home? Uh, that, that is true. He wrote, he directed a couple of episodes last season, and uh, we can verify that right now, Mike. And let me do that. And sure enough, he did Hard Home, and he did The Gift, episode seven and eight last last season. Yep. So it's not surprising that they would have him do the Battle of the Bastards, as a matter of fact. And uh, he is known for. Uh, so now what? Four episodes of Game of Thrones. He did an episode of uh, season two of True Detective. Uh, he did an uh, episode of Under the Dome. Uh, he did an episode of Fringe, um, and so forth. Uh, a few other things too. But but yeah, he he doesn't have many 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 noted titles, but he has done a number of episodes of important genre TV anyway, and uh, some of the best based off of Hard Home and what at least some folks are saying about tonight's episode, uh, or the one we're going to discuss, which was uh, actually last night's episode. Um, and it was written by the Double Ds, uh, David Benioff and D.B. Weiss, uh, June 19th, 2016, and total viewers to be determined. Uh, that's all I got. So... All right, let's get into it. Uh, what do people want to discuss? What do we want to talk about? Um, well, let's start at the beginning. Uh, and we open we have up. a whole two storylines to pick from. I know. Yeah, we open up with the Siege of Marine, uh, where Tyrion and Danny are in the pyramid discussing stuff. Can, can I get my nitpick out of the way? Uh, sure. Well, because remember it mentioned last week that it was just sort of weird how they ended with Danny stepping out. Yeah. And we just see Drogon flying in the background, and my first thought is that because it's now it's, it's daybreak, and and Drogon apparently has just been chilling for a few hours, and Danny's been just glowering at, at Tyrion, which seems really weird. Um, I think they probably just would have been better off taking that whole scene, doing it as a cold open before the credits, and then after the credits coming in as they started. I think that might have worked better, but that's just nitpicking. I, I um, you know what, Mike? I would agree with that 100%. That's an excellent idea. That would have been an excellent idea, absolutely. Uh, but since it didn't happen, and whether or not they had that credit sequence between it or they had to wait until the next week, um, this picks up directly where that ended, right? Yeah, or pretty why? much. Uh, pretty much, yeah. And, if, and since we're all going to be binge-watching it anyway, it doesn't really make that big of a difference. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's a fair point, Mike, yeah. 
Um, so I enjoyed uh, I enjoyed the Tyrion stuff this week. It was probably my favorite Tyrion stuff of the season because uh, it didn't make him look like a doofus. Um, so basically, uh, this first scene did a couple of important things. The first thing it did is that Tyrion actually uh, stood up to Danny and said, uh, "Hey, look, you're acting a lot like your father." Uh, <laughs> um, and then the second thing it did is set up what Phil desperately wants to happen uh, for the season finale, which is that it made mention of all the caches of wildfire uh, about King's Landing. Um, so that was a that was a pretty telling thing that they felt the need to get that out in uh, uh, some exposition uh, this episode. Right. If you remember last season, there were like two or three episodes in a row where they mentioned Grayscale. Right. They talked about Shireen having Grayscale, and they talked about Grayscale and Grayscale, Grayscale. Just kept dropping it into conversations for no particular reason, and then, of course, Jorah got Grayscale. So, this whole thing of mentioning the wildfire kind of seemingly out of the blue may go to what we were talking about last week. Yes, I agree with you. Yeah. Yeah. So keep keep her hope there. Keep hope alive, Phil. It might happen. Excellent. Uh, I don't know if it'll happen next episode or next season, but I'm hoping next episode. Uh, <laughs> so uh, let's just stay in Marine uh, since since the battle is what uh, is going to be the huge topic of conversation. Um we got some hot dragon action, which always Woo-hoo! makes me happy. Um, <laughs> which is basically they meet with the masters that uh, that Tyrion had made the pact with, uh, and they're like, "Oh, you foolish foreigner, you're gonna crawl out on your knees because you're arrogant." And and uh, and she was like, "No, you don't understand. We didn't come here to discuss my terms of surrender. We came here to discuss your terms of surrender." <laughs> uh, Q Trogon. Uh, who flies in looking all badass. Uh, and then, um, yeah, Danny tells them that her reign is just beginning and takes off on Drogon, who summons the other two dragons, who I guess have just been chilling in the basement, even though they were unchained. Um, they bust out of the pyramid and join Drogon in the air, uh, and they go fucking torch some slave master ships, uh, all of which was really fucking cool. I got me some dragon action. It always makes me happy. I actually, there was a shot of them. I don't know if Phil got this. The shot of them busting out of the pyramid. Uh huh. I don't know why it had like to me some sort. Of, maybe it was the angle. It had sort of like an old school Godzilla vibe. I don't know why. Oh, um. Okay, I can see that. Yeah. But uh, yeah, so yeah, it was neat. It it is that kind of uh, sloppy writing uh sort of that we've seen too much of this season which is the oh yeah those dragons that we've forgotten about completely but the guy just mentioned two minutes ago in his list of demands so that way the audience is reminded that they're there when they appear uh-huh you know yeah we'll actually have them do something with that now because everybody's forgotten that Tyrion let them loose and well, yeah they could have busted out any time they wanted but they waited for drogon's call they've been <laughs> Playing pinochle down in the basement. Well, here's the thing, Mike. It's really easy to call bad writing. Uh, at the same time, they're trying to condense such a massive story into a television series. Uh, I'm not going to get all all mad about stuff like that. No, but it's it's <clears throat> if you're going to have if you're going to take a shortcut like that, 
it helps it for be fucking awesome. So that that makes the medicine go down so much better than sugar ever did. Well, true. I thought it was pretty fucking awesome. And and that's it. And that that's what makes it excusable. <laughs> what do you think about this scene, Phil? Um, yeah. Uh, well, a number of things. Um, yeah. Let's talk about the 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 thing that Mike just brought up first. Um, you know, I have to. I basically, as we we seen in the first four seasons, everything kind of went at a leisurely pace in the sense there's no teleporting and you know we'll, we'll discuss that in a second um people stories took many episodes and were done well they weren't like many episodes and you know wax on wax off aria crap um so i think they decided to speed up a lot of stuff um and this happened to be part of it and when the slave master said uh, we want to, part of your surrender will be to have the two dragons executed. Obviously, that was the, the, the way to, for us to remember that they were there if for folks who forgot. Because again, like you said, Mike, uh, there was no scenes. You know, instead of having a couple of that wax on, wax on scenes, they could have showed the dragon still hanging out, chilling in the, in the basement. And that would have been more interesting than seeing wax on, wax off, no matter how much we like Arya. The so, problem is it costs a ton of money to make a dragon, and it doesn't cost anything to have two girls beat on each other. Well, you know what you do? <laughs> you, you bring in Roger Corman and say, Roger, how do we, we, we save some money and do this? And he'll fix it for you. Say, Rubber dragons! Exactly. Yeah, it'll, it'll look like shit, but he'll get it done. Exactly. And so, puppets! And no disrespect for Roger Corman, because he's made a lot of damn good films. Um... Especially screen, uh, with screenwriting, um, but uh, relax, Philip. He's not listening to our podcast. That's <laughs> that's, that's true. But I, I don't want to downplay uh, his importance, and and some of his films are really damn good, even if he didn't have the money for uh, special effects in some cases. Um, but um, but that's a fair point, Eric. Uh, um, uh, I still think like. Uh, one thing at the beginning, uh, uh, you know, the Tarian stuff, and, the, and it's not specifically because of Tarian, because uh, I'm not a, a Tarian bandwagon person like a lot of folks, even though I do like the character. Uh, but I did like the conversation because I've been predicting that da- Daenerys is going to go evil, and then Tarian is going to toss her uh, over a wall and she'll die, because the, and then he'll save the world from total destruction and the dragons. Um, but You didn't uh, need to. Yeah, so I'm thinking maybe he just need to talk her down. He's gonna be yeah. So I'm still I'm still not convinced. I still think she may pull a a mile say tongue and then he'll have to eventually toss her over the walls eventually. But it could you know one of those things where she goes back and forth because she seems a little unstable. But I did like his humanist approach to everything, uh, where some people would say yeah, let's just burn down the slave master cities and kill them all and. And he says, you don't want to do that because that's like what your father wanted to do. And then she goes, no, it's different. And he goes, no, burning down a city is burning down a city. And, right. and yeah, so, I mean, that's where, you know, you, you have the people talk about, you know, World War Two, where, you know, London was, you know, leveled and Warsaw was leveled. But also Tokyo and, and Dresden were leveled, you know, and it doesn't matter whose city, the bad guys or the good guys, the city's getting leveled is a city that gets leveled with thousands of people that die. And he is trying to say, yeah, that's, that's not right. And I, I thought that was, uh, an excellent, excellent scene because, um, uh, I was with it. 
I was I was with the humanist aspect there. Yeah, yeah, but it's um, let's also point out that he wasn't totally humanist because he didn't want to. He, he just he didn't want to inoculate anyone. He just didn't want to kill them all. He wanted to kill them some. Right. And you know, it's he's right. I mean, killing the city, destroying the cities would have killed a whole bunch of innocent people. But he was perfectly fine with torching all the ships and murdering a couple of the the uh, the masters. So. Yeah, I he thought that was actually uh, a pretty damn good compromise. <laughs> well, yeah, it was. Uh, well, Mike, I, I'll, I'll agree with you on half on that. The the torching of the ships, I, I think, was more of an act of war and not an act of murder. While the killing of two of the slave lords, that was an act of murder. Even if they were scumbags, it was still an act of murder. No, that's well, also uh, an act of war because they broke the pact that they made. Yeah, I mean, we we could debate that. I don't know. That's, um, that's. I, I'm just saying he's not. I don't have an issue with what they did. I just not sure. I would say that it was particularly humanist. Um, yeah. Oh, uh, yeah. No, I I agree. I mean, I mean, obviously, when you have a bunch of ships uh, throwing fireballs at your town city, you can either be a human. I I I. Don't know if humanists and pacifists are the same thing. I'm not talking pacifists here. I'm talking. Yeah, I understand. Here. So, a pa- uh, yeah, pacifist is, is most certainly this was not, but it's still. But humanists, I don't think, is hand in hand with a pacifist. So, to, if you have to fight a war, you have to fight a war, and if you have to sink the ship, you have to sink the ship. But when you have three folks who are groveling in front of you, you don't have to. That's not true. Head. Only one was groveling, and they didn't kill him. Well, he no, was groveling no. because his friends said, "Kill that one! Kill that one!" <laughs> yeah, because you do not have were... to kill me now, and I, I, I do I have cons- to kill you now. I consider his friends saying, "Kill him" instead of me as groveling too. But well, again, you well you no, knew okay, I, that's that's a fair point. Yeah, you knew that the second they said, "Kill him," he is a commoner. He isn't. You know, he wasn't one of the elite rich people like we are with our fancy blue cloth. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and yeah, so you kind of knew at that point exactly what was going to happen. Right. Sure. Uh, nevertheless, it was still satisfying. Um, and I did like, by the way, seeing Grey Worm step up a little bit into the leadership here and telling the other troops to go, hey, you know what? You want to fight for these assholes or do you want to go home? See ya. <laughs> yeah, they're like, uh, yeah, I'm going on bite. The one thing I did not like about the whole battle scene in Marine was the Dothraki hordes because I don't care. What Daenerys wants to represent, even though she usually doesn't because she always goes back to being the gray or the dark side in some cases. But I cannot believe a Dothraki horde wouldn't charge the city, kill all the harpies, but they're the type of people that would rape and, and... and murder anybody and everybody. I mean, friggin', and I know Eric hates uh, real life analogies, but when the Soviet troops came, but you'll do it anyway. Yeah, I'll do it you anyway. Hate me. Uh, when the Soviet troops came through Eastern Europe to take out the Nazis, they were raping and, and murdering everybody. So, it, I cannot believe she would think that the Dothraki would would be any better, since based off of how they're portrayed in this show, they're more savage than the. Russian soldiers would ever have been in real life. So 
it that kind of like I even read reviews that said, yeah, yeah, that's that's kind of silly. Well, it, I, it's it's a fair point that they're those type of people. I don't think it's a fair point that she wouldn't make that mistake because she's made mistakes like that before. That's an excellent point, Eric. Okay, that's yeah, that answers my question. I'm satisfied. <laughs> but Mike, right, you're going to well, say something. Well, it's also I would say we haven't seen necessarily the aftermath, and I I have a feeling, and maybe this is something that never hit that hit the cutting room floor or just that they assumed we would know that when she took over i suspect she rewrote some of the rules now whether the dothraki follow the new rules maybe is something they'll explore in, in later episodes but i don't know that there was time to really deal with it tonight right yeah that's true that's true um but i think if these people suddenly just change their ways that quickly and easily will will be so unrealistic to me, similar to how Eric didn't buy, and i got to give Eric credit, uh, he didn't buy uh, the slavers were going to just say, okay, Tyrion, we, we agree with you, and we'll let the slaves go in seven years from now, and blah, blah, blah. People's ways just don't change that easily. If that was the case, Afghanistan would be a civilized country right now. So it's, it's just... It's just doesn't happen that way and so i think this is i don't know if it's the two double d's or if it if it's modern or if it's just trying to condense things quickly for a television show i don't know i, I just well well i think it's part of it's condensing because it how much let me ask how much do you really want to explore dothraki culture inter, in, yeah, in culture, I don't. cultural I don't. politics exactly yeah. um and i think maybe if they do just even a scene at some point of having her punish a Dothraki soldier who raped and pillaged when he wasn't supposed to, you know, maybe that'll satisfy the people who aren't satisfied, but I'm perfectly happy with just sort of them shortcutting that. Right. I'm okay with that. Um, I did like, by the way, I didn't catch this until the rewatch. They only burned one ship. Yes. They just really, really, really burned it. Right. Because, <laughs> because if you want to be efficient, once the ship's on fire, they're pretty much fucked because it's not like they're getting like a little tiny fire. Once the no, ship is there, the whole ship is going. They're they're not putting that out, and so they could easily have moved on and taken out the rest of the fleet. But well, Daenerys wants the ship, right? So strategically targeting the one ship, I, I had missed the first time through that there was only one ship that they went after. Yeah, yeah, she wanted the ships for herself to use. Uh, and so she just really just toasted that one as a display of power to be like, look, you want to fuck with me? Do you really want to fuck with me? I don't think you want to fuck with me. <laughs> I, I was somewhat disappointed with the whole scene, though, because we didn't get to see anybody. You're insane. Get, uh, you don't know, Eric, you would agree. We did not get to see anybody get eaten, and that was disappointing. Oh well, okay. That would have been a cherry on top. A cherry. Uh, yeah, on top. yeah. I kind of thought been... Drogon would have grabbed a snack on the way over. Yeah, if he had grabbed one of those dudes on his way off the cliff, that would have been cool. Um, and I still don't quite understand how, what Daenerys is using to grab so tightly onto the dragon. The parts of the dragon. Well, I, I mean, it's it's flying. It's doing loops. It's tumbles, and you know, I, I, yeah, I, she, Eric, she's she, holding on tight. Eric, she's got no, some good luck missiles. Eric, she ain't no squirrel that can climb trees and shit. <laughs> <laughs> if that's your biggest nitpick, then we can move on. Right, no, so Mike, then they move Mike on. Brought it up. Mike brought it up. I did. Yes. So, so then they move on and they bring in 
teleportation. They hit the fast forward button big time. Well, Tele- the thing is, this is not like the first time it's happened this season, uh, or even another season. Like, like fucking Littlefinger. <laughs> this is this has been brought up on other podcasts several times. Uh, Littlefinger's got a, like a magic teleporter because he gets the fuck around really quick too. Um, so they're just, you know, uh, I think it's it's a need of telling the story for the television series that has to happen. And you can nitpick it if you really want to. I feel like nitpicking it is kind of a waste of time. Because um, otherwise we're just going to get dead scenes like we've been complaining about with Arya where nothing's really fucking happening um, just to waste some time. And I fucking hate that even more. Uh, so, so I'm willing to deal with some teleportation. <laughs> Eric, I have to agree now, after seeing the whole Greyjoy story this season, and this now Theon Yara story with Daenerys, which are Greyjoys, by the way. The Greyjoys story sucks. It's just horrible. I can't stand it. I just don't like it. I'm, I'm with you. I'm, I'm with you now, Eric. I'm with you, uh, Eric. I'd like to point out that if that if uh, Yara had thrown in with Sansa, that he would be loving the storyline. Uh, right. you're, pro- you're probably right, but that's that's could be possible, Mike. But but that would be more because of Sansa, not not because of, of the Great Joys. The Great Joys just a, a terrible. It's a no, I, I I very much like this. I liked this segment. I like this the scene, um, and I kind of like the. The interplay. First of all, I love the fact that Tyrion is calling back to Theon shit that happened back in season one. Right. Um, it's like, yeah, you were making fun of me for being a dwarf. Uh, how have things been going for you since then? <laughs> right. And I like that, you know, he doesn't, like when he says, well, I'm not suitable, suited to be a king. And Tyrion's like, you you got that right. Yeah, um, that so kind of pissed me off. That was like, no, Tyrion, a little Tyrion's. Too, no, not what Tyrion said, but when Theon goes, I'm just not suited, it's like, oh, come on. Well, he's not. He can't have an heir, Phil. He had his balls chopped off. Well, I don't mean that. Well, it's just the it balls. Just, it was just like, he's such a pathetic character now, because his, his his sister said, stop being pathetic. And by him saying, I'm not worthy, was just made him pathetic again. And I just No, I disagree. I think, that's I'm just, self-aware. I think that's making him self-aware and honest. Oh, dude, I, I just hope they kill him off now. I can't stand his character. It's just pathetic. <laughs> I hate great choice. I just hate him. Although I, I gotta I, say, I did kind of enjoy the fact that Yara hit on Danny. <laughs> that yeah. was funny. It, it, oh, yeah, he, she kind of did, yeah. <laughs> and, well, I like the fact that Danny says, you know, well, why the hell shouldn't I wait for my brother, for your, for your uncle, who's got more ships, and she points out that he comes with a cock attached. Right. Um, yeah, so it, that, it's, because, yeah, that would be the logical argument, right? Well, you're, uncle has more ships you know why wouldn't i just wait for him and yeah so saying he's only going to give you the ships if you marry him and she clearly doesn't want that that they they joke around a little bit which i appreciate so they're kind of pulling danny back i think a little bit from the brink that she was on plus you know the whole you know asking to have their independence right you know and danny treats it it's not and it was done as a friendly exchange and yeah, Danny says, "Well, she asked. You know, they can ask too." Yeah, basically and what happens. No. <laughs> basically, what happens is uh, Tyrion says, "If they asked, and you give them independence, aren't the other six kingdoms going to do the same?" And she goes, "Well, they just asked. Anybody can ask. That doesn't mean it's it's going to happen." Right. But I'm hoping 
they all rebel and kill her because they should all be independent and not be under this dictator named Daenerys. It's a good thing that Phil's keeping an open mind about how this will play out. Right. I don't it's, want... It's realistic to expect a democracy to spring up in the middle of a monarchy. No, no, no. Eric, as you know, like Afghanistan, people change very quickly. <laughs> no, no. You, you, you put it words in my mouth, dude. I want Sansa to be the ultimate queen and take over the world. Oh, so you just want a different dictator. Exactly. Okay. Exactly. All right. All right. That's, that's right. Uh, <laughs> hot redheaded dictator. Phil will have no no problem taking orders from. Yeah, well, he better hurry up because we're going to be running out of redheads, I have a feeling. <laughs> oh, I, I well, can't believe that they're going to kill off the Red Witch, don't say it. Anyway. Oh, well, yeah, so I think that pretty much ties up Moraine, right? Are we missing anything? Um, no, no, that's I... it. But but the key thing here is that we've got Danny back, dragons out, ships in hand. Yeah. So and and someone competent to lead the ships, and so yeah. whatever Varys is off doing, who gives a shit? Onward we go. All right. Yeah. So what's going to happen is uh, Daenerys' storyline will be stuck in Essos until next season, but it appears that Essos is out of the picture, starting in season seven of Game of Thrones. Thank the Lord, Hallelujah! <laughs> Jesus oh, but the bad news is that Dorne might be coming back. Uh, well, I'd rather see Dawn any day than this graduation. Oh, okay. well, okay, fair uh, enough. I, I, I dislike them equally. That's yeah. There you go. I agree. They both suck, but at least it ain't <laughs> Essos. You know, I mean, yeah. I'm sick and tired of Essos crap. You know, yeah. With uh, Arya heading back to Westeros too, everybody's out of Essos. This is awesome, right? Except for the fact that they still gotta tie up that whole Dorn plotline. Yeah, um, it's so that sucks. Yeah. Too. yeah, yeah. Uh, but we're getting there. We're getting there. It's consolidating. Yeah, it is. Uh, so then we go on to the actual uh, the main event for the the episode, the Battle of the Bastards. Uh, now I want to say some stuff about Sansa here, uh, which is that I'm still overall I'm I I'm not Team Sansa. I'm Team Stark, uh, and she is a player on Team Stark, but. Okay, here's here's what I want to say about this episode. She and John specifically had a conversation about, hey, didn't you... She says to him, hey, didn't you ever think I might have had some insight? And he says, you're right, I didn't. What do you have to say? Bah! Right there is where she says, well, there's this guy named Littlefinger who has a crush on me and he's got 6,000 troops he's willing to lend to our cause. Uh... Right there, spit it out, you stupid twat. Uh, everybody died because of her, including 1-1. is dead because of Sansa, because she never told John what she was up to behind his back. Uh, if she hadn't kept the whole thing secret, or if she just put her pride aside and accepted his offer in the first place, it never would have happened, and literally thousands of lives would have been saved. Eric, and- you know what? I, I agree with you on this because even if she wasn't sure that the Raven was going to get to our um, a Baelish, or and if Baelish would deny her, which we know he wouldn't because he said even you know I'm still here no matter what to help out. But the thing is, is he, she could have came to John and said, "Okay, John, this is what I got." Right. Baelish may show up 
with our aunt's army, but it's not guaranteed. Right. So we we should play it as if they're not going to show up, but fingers crossed they do. Exactly. And she didn't do that. She didn't say anything. And so as a result, now we're going to have – if I could see John now, the next time he has his council meeting with Davos and whoever else – doesn't ask Sansa for advice because Sansa just proved that she's a boob. So why, 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 why would I, why should I ask you now? Because you were an idiot before, you know, so I could see this actually making her step back. But of course, since they're trying to wrap up things quick, I don't think it's going to affect, uh, her character arc at all. Or no, I don't think so either. Well, but, uh, go ahead, Mike. I was going to say, I, I've addressed, like, why she shut up and didn't say anything the first time, and I understand that. Yeah, because um, Bill is tr- tricked her. But is she that stupid? Well, I mean, no, it's, yeah, well, it's, it's a human thing, and I understand her anger, and you don't always make logical decisions, in, in, but, especially in something that's... It was one line, Mike, which is, you can't trust a half-brother. So is she that stupid? What? Right? I mean... Uh, it was the, this is what happened. Bailish said No, it had no, Phil, my, no, it has nothing to do with that. I understand that she 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 did it. I understand why she blew Bailish off. I, but, I think it, it makes some sense. But Bailish put a, a thing in her mind saying don't trust your brother jo- John because he's only a half brother. I don't and think her, that had nothing to do with it. Oh, you don't. I'm not I'm not talking about that at all, Phil. Oh, okay, I'm sorry. Go ahead. Then. I'm talking I, about I, the I fact that she point. blew him off because of of her anger towards him. And I understand why she didn't say anything to to, to John because you know what, yeah what it's ang- a what anger what anger that whole scene where she threatened to kill him what happened now I don't I, I must have missed have it. you been watching this season yeah yeah tell me tell me what, <laughs> tell me what you're referring to here I'm completely confused the scene, now the scene where she and Brienne went off to meet with Littlefinger in the middle of nowhere uh, and basically she said well you're either oh, stupid oh, oh, or you're, you're t- my enemy no but why wouldn't she tell John then. That's. I thought you were talking about that part. Because what? then she has to. Because then she's going to go, have to go through and relive all the shit that she went through. So I understand her not necessarily wanting to, to come out and say, you know, hey, yeah, by the way, I just got raped repeatedly, even though well, you know. And then, and then John's going to say, "Are you stupid? We just were off at six thousand troops, and you turned them down." Well, that's enough. But that's also why she then isn't volunteering it. <laughs> the problem is. The problem is once she finds out that now she sends off the letter, and the reason why she never says anything about that letter. Is because if she did, then the audience would know that they'd be writing in at the end and saving the day, which we the knew was going to happen did, anyway. Right? She, what, what, well, I said that at the end of the podcast last week. Well, I don't know if I said it on the podcast or the, after the podcast. Oh, you did. You did. You did. Um, but it's so yeah. It's pretty. Uh, it was pretty obvious who she was sending the letter to and right. and what the result and the timing of it was going to be because they're not going to write in after it's all over. And they're oh. not going to write in at the non-climatic moment. And they go, oh wait, shit! Now we terribly outnumber them. This is going to be easy. Go turn on the NBA Finals. Um, so, so that's. But the problem is, there, she should have said it, and they should have structured it somewhere to happen off scene at the very least, so that John wasn't completely taken by surprise that this was a thing. Well, um, and my, my point that I'm trying to make is that Sansa is not very good at Game of Thrones uh, because otherwise she would have. Uh, well, first of all, she would have accepted Baelish's offer the first time he offered. You damn right. She would, she would have right. uh, understood the strategic importance of it uh, and been able to at least temporarily set her own emotions aside. Uh, and also, I think if she had done that and had gone 
recruiting all over the north with the other houses with those troops already dedicated to her, she would have been able to raise even more support than she did ultimately. Oh, yeah. Um, so she screwed up the whole thing. But I, I the, she's she's the, an idiot, and she does not deserve to sit on the Iron Throne. The main thing is they had Liliana uh, Mormont there to. She's got their back. I think that was the important thing. <laughs> well, um, but yeah, but Eric, to be honest, I think everybody in this show has fucked up at least once or twice. It's just that it's uh, you know who fucked up the most recently. Well, so yeah, that's okay, what, that's a fair point, but she but, has but the I, most recently. Well, but I appreciate, I do like the fact that she's still basically supposed to be a 17, 18, 19 year old girl who has not had any training in any of this shit, right. who doesn't know anything about military matters. So is so fucking happy that, you know, she didn't say, hey, can't we attack them from this angle? And wasn't there the secret door that we could get into the, the you know, that she would be the one I was, which I was half expecting, which would have been ham handed. That right. She, and then when she does, she says, but you don't know him like I do. Okay. Well, what advice do you have? Yeah, oh, right, right. She was Don't like, trust him. Well, Fee, thanks for that well, shit. <laughs> <laughs> right. <laughs> right, right, right. I mean, we've seen it many times in history. Uh, uh, sorry, Eric. Um, you know, like Golden Mayor would, would, would listen to her generals, and she didn't make the battle plan. She let the generals do it. Um, you know, uh, Roosevelt let Eisenhower and... and um, um, oh, but you get my point. So... So yeah, yeah, it's it's uh I I liked how she they didn't have her say, "Why don't we do this with the the troops?" That would have been a little silly, I think. I mean, she is a, has to be more of a politician, not a, a military genius. Well, right. even the thing with Ramsey, it's well, he's sneaky. Yeah. <laughs> and it's but you can imagine, I mean, you put yourself in her position, what would you say? No, no, I mean really sneaky. Right, they could have had. They I mean, had, like, like cartoonishly sneaky. Sneaky. I mean, it's there. There really was no way for her to get across. It's kind of hard to put into words what kind of a vicious bastard Ramsey really is. So you understand, on the one hand, her wanting to say, "No, you don't understand Ramsey." Okay, we'll explain him. He's an he asshole. Sucks. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's like well, yeah, all I, they, all I know him. All I'll they tell you have. What. To, oh, Eric, Mark. I mean, everybody. Marks. I don't know where I came up with Mark, but Mike, this is what they, she could have said. She could have said, remember what happened to Stannis Baratheon. We, we know that his army was destroyed by Ramsey. This is not just some buffoon. This guy is either a military genius or he has people around him who are military geniuses. You know, so they could have had her made. Do we, a, I don't, well, yeah. They could have had her. Anyway, we're spending way too much time we, on this. Anyway, no, they, I, actually, they all knew about his death because Stannis. I mean, uh, his death, but how? But it, but the way that Ramsay's infiltrated the 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 camp does, the night before. No, no, but that's not my point, Mike. My point is is that the writers could have put things in that made Sansa explain how dangerous Ramsay is, rather than saying he's sneaky. They yes. could, she could have said he destroyed an army as huge as Stannis Baratheon. And that's all she had to say. We all know that's true. How it happened, it doesn't matter. She could have just said that. That would have sounded better than he's sneaky. And right. that's all I'm trying to say. Well, I, I like yeah. John's response, too, which is that I've fought worse than him. <laughs> so, yeah. But, by, the but way, ironic- for, by the way, four minutes ago on our Facebook page, uh, Sean Fox actually posted something that was a point I was going to make as we get into the actual battle itself. Uh, it's got a diagram though, so it's kind of cool. Oh, all right. Well, we'll discuss that when we get okay. into that. Um, but um, like, uh, I was going to say, but yeah. what, what, what John Snow faced was not—he fought 
the that wildlings, my... and he fought the what do you call the White Walkers? The, the White Walkers, and he got his ass kicked by the White Walkers, and he they they sort of kind of beat the wildlings because the wildlings only sent a small force forward, um, and. Uh, what's his face basically surrendered, but they really could have just taken the whole place and easily killed them. And they were, and they weren't dealing with people who were sneaky bastards. They were fairly straightforward. Um, and that's, that's the difference is that, you know, that, that his previous opponents played dodgeball and Ramsey's playing chess. Right, yeah. right. Yeah, no, that's a fair point, Mike. And, and he can say that the others were worse. Or the the wildlings who didn't take prisoners were worse, but um, you know Ramsey is, doesn't take prisoners either, just like the the others and and the wildlings didn't. So, I, in honest in honesty, Sansa was right on on this one, which is I don't you know no this guy here, this Ramsey guy is as dangerous and as bad as the folks that that you've had to fight in the past. Right. So we get the scene where. Um where basically it's the, I, you know, I challenge you to one-on-one combat. Yep, that was a great scene. A great yeah, scene. And, and John's trying to go, oh, but where do they think? Yeah, now that they know you won't die for them. But Ramsey had an awesome, com- I thought Ramsey's response was awesome. He goes, why the hell would I do that when I have more troops than you? It's like, uh, right. It's you a know, valid so, point. Yeah, so he, he basically won up them, and I thought, I thought that was an awesome response. And he basically said, you know, I'm not stupid and fuck oh, absolutely. You. Yeah, Ramsey is awesome. This guy is the best character ever. Well, I'm, I'm going to miss him. I'm going to miss no. him. He's, he's nuts. I've, he's, I've he found Ramsey at times to be sometimes too over the top and too cartoonish. And this episode might have been my favorite use of the character because he got to be smart without being clever, Sorry. you know, without being without being like over the top. So, oh, look how fucking crazy I am. But still maintained you know, his cruelty. But he was, he was smart and cruel and effective oh. and and restrained, and I and I like the way they that he really I really liked him in this episode more yeah. than I have in a, up up till now. Oh yeah, he was awesome. He's, he he was great to the, this episode. I mean, the actor's fantastic anyway. But all in all, and, and you know what's funny with this actor? His first language isn't even English. His first language is Gaelic Welsh. It's just unbelievable how to to, to learn that because he used to be on soap operas uh, for Gaelic Welsh television. So it's just interesting to, to note, note that. Uh, but, uh, I wanted to go back one scene because we met, we forgot an important aspect about the Sansa and John scene where John wants to save Rickon and Sansa is the realist and says, he's already dead. Well, that's, yeah, she did have a, a point there. And that was awesome because it's true. I mean, he was already yeah. dead and they, she knew it. And and she had already let the morning go. In other words, she was already past the the crying and depression because she's already seen what this guy's done. Never mind, you know. Yeah, an enemy she's like already him. accepted that he's gone. Yeah. So, and I thought that was wonderful. I, th- I thought that was just a great scene as well. Um, but I also think it's important in, in John's character is that he can't be somebody who lets go. Right. Right. He's he's got to be the idealist who fights against insurmountable odds, and you don't want him going. Uh, zombies on zombie horseback raising zombie armies and fuck it I give up you know it's there's really no chance we're gonna win um he so he has so it makes I I think it worked well for both characters it perfectly fit who they were oh absolutely and that's why why the scene works so well because one person is like 
it may be true, Santa, but I'm still going to try. While the other one says, you can try all you want, but it is what it is. So I thought that was just good. Um, and the, the one other aspect, too, that was interesting is Davos is setting up with, with John a way that they will be entrenched so they won't be attacked on the right or left or right. outflanked. And, and that was important because it's a Chekhov's gun to see what happens because of what we just discussed about Rickon and what happens to him. John it, plucks it, it, everything up. Yeah, so it changes everything. So, well, so because it, John didn't listen to Sansa. Right. Right. And and this is where it comes in, is that and this is where Ramsey being smart comes in, is that he plays John perfectly. He does. It is smart for strategic things, but it's also um pure evil as well because yes. it, it, I mean if, if this was the real world I mean Geneva Conventions you know even even oh the, the, the you know the, the scumbag nations I, I, I don't even know would, would do something like that but yeah maybe maybe they would I don't know <laughs> sorry um, uh, so well the thing is it does lure John out into the open which if John goes that's that's a huge demoralizer to that battle well hang on before we get to the actual battle itself um well, it takes them out of, the, out of the trenches, too, Mike. But go on, Eric. I'm sorry. I just wanted to mention that there is a scene with um, Tormund and Davos uh, who kind of chat a little bit the night before the battle. Uh, oh, and then da- Davos wanders off to think. Uh, and he Happy shitting. Finds, yeah, and he actually finds the site uh, where they burned Shireen uh, and finds the little toy that he carved for her. Uh, so he now knows what happened there. So a little, little convenient, a little too convenient. That's so. a touch. Well, yeah, but what are they? What else are they going to do? Um, so just, I just wanted to throw that out there that they set that up for a future confrontation between Davos and the Witch. Right, right. I, I think you know what? I think the story would have been better if Davos never figures out what happens and. No one figures out what happens. Well, it would have been more realistic, but it's kind of like saying, you know, what were the odds that the guy who blew up the Death Star was going to be Darth Vader's son? You right. know, at, at some point, you want to have these conflicts. You want them brought together. And but, but I, th- I think Game of Thrones is, is better than that to do because it's not a. Eh. I, I know it's a fantasy show, just as as Star Wars is, is space opera. But I well, I thought they would be trying to be more dramatic than pulpy. Well, I think they're trying to be more realistic, but I could also argue maybe the Lord of Light wanted him to find the statue. Ah, ha, there you go. It answers it. There yeah, you and go. by the way, I did like that little bit of the word of encouragement of Melisandre. Oh, maybe the Lord of Light intended you to die here. You know, it's just... Oh, oh, let's talk about that scene, too, because we forgot that scene. Your <laughs> advice to him is don't lose. My, my, and, and to be honest, that was the smartest thing of all. What kind of God is that? Ours. You know, that's the one we got. Um, what, what, uh, most reviewers, because I read a bunch of reviewers after watching the episode, um, most people said that the, the scene between John and Ms. Melisandre, what's her name? Melisandre? Melisandre. Melisandre. Are, she's a witch! She's a uh, witch! Are, um, was one of the best scenes or possibly the best non-action scene of the, of the evening. Because of its importance of, of, of I don't know something, but they I thought it was important. Happy shitting. <laughs> they thought it was. They thought it was the best scene. I tell you that. That's all I know. That's all I read. And uh, it was an interesting scene because it basically the Red Witch is basically saying that 
even though she there is their god unlike the god in the real world if, assuming you believe in that um seems to be more present there this red god is similar to the god in the real world if you believe in that kevin let's it's it's like the god is just there in the background so she's trying to basically say to john you know, just don't, you can't, if you die, you know, you don't want to lose, just don't do it. I mean, there's no God's going to help us. We're just going to help you win, kind of, sort of. And I think that was important because I think it's setting up uh, something to do with the religion in this world for an upcoming episode, and I just don't know what yet. Uh, I don't know if it's going to come into play or not. I think she was just uh, being a little cranky with John. Or maybe it's it's just letting us know that there isn't going to be any magical god stuff in the future. In, in other words, pre- trying to prepare the audience to not think there's going to be some something like that to ha- that's going to happen, except for the little minor things we've seen so far. Right. And he does know. ask her to not bring him back if he dies. Uh, and she's like, well, that's not my call. That's up to the Lord of Light. <laughs> yeah, she, so she's going to try... But there's no guarantee, but she's going to try because it's her duty, basically, is what she's saying. Uh-huh. Even though she never tried it before until Davos asked her to. Right, exactly. But, you know, that's legit. You know, once it happens once, you go, hey, you know, like, <laughs> I'm on board with, with doing this again if I have to. Uh, so. Um, the battle. The battle uh, starts with... Uh, the two armies facing each other, and Ramsay Rickon. brings out Rickon on a leash. Um, that was kind of, kind of derogatory, a leash. Jeez. I knew it was the that's I what knew, it was. I knew it was Rickon, though. I mean, do you guys know that? Because they kind of dragged it out for like four minutes before we actually saw that the leash carried Rickon on it. It was actually about 30 seconds, but yes, they did carry it out. And yeah. yes, I knew who was on it. Um, so at this point, direct your attention to Sean Fox's post on the, on the discussions page. Uh, because what happens here is that, uh, Ramsey tells Rickon that they're going to play a game and he should run to John as fast as he can. Um, <laughs> uh, and Rickon does and he just, he runs in a straight line towards John. Um, <laughs> I don't know. Let's see, Rickon's character, I can't even feel bad that he's dead. Cause, they never showed him. He never did anything important. He never even fucking... Did we even ever have a Rickon line? Did he ever utter a word ever once? Um, I, I think I, I think I feel bad that he died, theoretically. <laughs> okay. <laughs> no, but they play this. So, so he runs away from Ramsey, and Ramsey is shooting arrows at him. And uh, he doesn't even, like... Like, I've read a whole bunch of people including this post from Shad Fox, that are just, like, screaming at the television for him to zigzag while he was running instead of running in a straight line because he made it way too easy for Ramsey to pick him off. Um, yeah, so that happened. And eventually, uh, John is riding his horse towards Rickon to try and save him. And right before he gets there, Ramsey plugs him with an arrow and kills him. Uh, and they tried to play it up as this big dramatic moment, and I... I I don't give a shit about Rickon. It really didn't affect me that much, um, but I just knew that John was going to be John and and fucking be stupid and charge the army by himself. 
and that fucked up all their beautifully laid uh, strategery. Indeed, it did. It did. So, and I liked it. Kind of called and uh, go <laughs> a little bit of it called back when when the black they had the the, the funeral pyre scene with the blackfish and uh, Edmir, mm-hmm. um, with him shooting and missing, and you you know one of those is end up going to end up hitting. Right. But, uh, yeah, so you see it coming, but you also know why John did what he did. Uh-huh. So. But Sansa was right. Uh, Rickon was a goner, uh, no matter what. So then John charges, and Davos is like, oh, you fucking idiot. Fine. Charge! <laughs> uh, so both armies are charging at each other and meet Right around John, conveniently enough, for dramatic purposes. But holy shit, what a battle. Um, I I actually thought John was dead at that moment. I thought they were going to take him out. Whether he's permanently dead or not, that's besides the point. But I thought he was going to get killed right there. I I didn't. Um, But, yeah. So, yeah, even the the show creators uh, in the interview after the show were pretty much like, yeah, John. John survived this battle mostly due to luck. Uh, <laughs> oh, there's no doubt about it. Because yeah. he's sitting there when a dozen arrows fall right around him, and none of them hit him. Uh, yeah, so John got really, really lucky during this battle. What, what Man, about this? What a battle! What about this, Mike? Would you call this uh, plot armor rather than oh, lucky? Absolutely. Well, sort of. Yeah. Um, I mean, you start. I mean, anyone that survives that battle, it's because of luck. Um, when you have one side just kind of firing hundreds of arrows in the air without any concerns to who they land on, um, you're kind of winning by luck. Because none of them were like standing there watching and trying to dodge out of the way of the arrows. They they got hit or they didn't get hit. Right. Uh, but man, the the uh, I really enjoyed uh, when the two armies met. You saw several horses collide. Uh, which is pretty fucking awesome. Um, and then the the whole the whole scene uh, where John is just there in the middle of chaos around him, uh, stabbing guys on horses, having uh, other people save him by attacking people that are about to run him over. Uh, the whole thing was just super intense, and I thought looked fantastic. I would say. Uh... Well, a lot of folks are saying this anyway, but but um, I thought it was better than anything I saw in um, uh, what, what, the, what the hell's those uh, Lord of the Ring films? Lord of the Ring films. Um, um, yeah, the scale's not quite as large as Lord of the Rings, but I, I thought uh, I thought it looked better. I did too. Yeah. What I liked a lot was that they had a a visual effect of them basically focusing on John. Yeah. And everything else was just just ever so slightly out of focus, so it almost looked at times like he was. Yeah, it was his perspective. Well, it was his perspective, but it looked like they were doing uh, like like rear projection. Oh, that was awesome! Yeah. Except you know, and rear projection for those who don't know is the isn't one of the old uh, visual effects techniques of where you have the you know a camera projecting an image on a screen, and you just have the actor sort of standing in front of the screen. You film the actor interacting with King Kong on the screen, or something like that. And you can always it just, sometimes it's well done. Usually it's poorly done. But the difference is, of course, every now and then John steps into the screen and interacts with what's on the screen. Exactly. Which, mm-hmm. which you know, 
preserves that illusion. But yeah, it was it was neat because that was a neat effect of putting you in his position. Yeah, there was like the the horse cavalry guy that was about to take him out, and then he gets killed. And then we see after that horse uh, cavalry guy gets disappears off the screen and falls. We see this guy charging towards John, and then suddenly John steps into this quote unquote back screen, as you you call it, Mike, and takes out that guy. And and right. it was awesome. It, it was just a one of the most striking um, uh, visuals. That specific part of the, of the whole battle was probably the best part of the battle for me, just specifically for exactly what you're talking about, Mike. And it's uh, obviously it was done well because uh, the thing that came out to you or, or, or you remember the most about it is the exact same thing I was thinking too, which is that back screen thing. And, and um, obviously um, it wasn't just me going, oh, that's kind of cool. You saw it as well as I did. Right. So, so uh, this battle goes on, and uh, like you were just saying, R- Ramsey is just raining arrows down upon the battlefield uh, one wave after another uh, to the point where there start being piles of dead bodies, uh, and John almost uh, gets suffocated underneath them. He gets He gets trampled. Uh, and, and starts to get buried in dead bodies. Man, what a horrible way to go. Uh, but manages to uh, fight his way back up through them. Uh, and then they're still fighting on top of the mounds of dead bodies. Uh, and then Ramsey calls his infantry forth uh, and actually does exactly what they were trying to avoid had they gone with their original plan and John hadn't fucked everything up. Uh, and they end up surrounded by his infantry uh, who then uh, is just closing in for the kill. Uh, and then, da 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 here comes Baelish and all his troops, just in the nick of time. Uh, Baelish is the best. So we knew this was going to happen. Uh, Mike called it last week. So uh, those troops come in to save the day, uh, and John and 1-1 and Tormund go tearing off after Ramsay, who's running back to the castle. Uh, and Ramsey thinks he's safe in the castle, but he forgot that they brought a giant. <laughs> uh, so 1-1 just pretty much punches his way through the front gates. They brought a giant to a gunfight. <laughs> right. Uh, and gets the gates open. Uh, but unfortunately, 1-1's life was sacrificed in, in uh, breaching the castle. Because uh, once he gets into the courtyard, he's just peppered with arrows. Uh, and then Ramsey takes the final shot and gets right in the eye. Uh, so one, one's dead. Uh, but they're in the courtyard at that point. Uh, and then Ramsey says, Hey, John, you wanted one-on-one combat. I changed my mind. Let's do it that way. Uh, and then there's, I thought this scene was actually really cool the way they did this. I've reconsidered. (laughs) Yeah, reconsidered. Uh, Ramsey starts firing arrows at him across the courtyard. Uh, and John kind of picks up a shield that's laying around from some dead guy and and catches the arrow with a shield and then just continues to uh, charge towards Ramsey as Ramsey's firing arrows at him and blocks them all uh, and then gets there and knocks him down with a shield and just beats the living fuck out of him. Ramsey um, was, was stupid here because wouldn't you think he would have just took a shot at, at his foot or something? <laughs> I, I, I don't know. I think um, I, I think that's what he would he should have. But done. well, again, you're thinking clearly not. And by the way, Ramsey was of course surrounded by stormtroops that had their 
their Both. arrows knocked and ready to go. So right. Uh, so yeah, John probably would have beat him to death, uh, except for at one point he looks up and sees Sansa standing there, and he's like, "Oh, yeah, maybe I should let her take care of this." Um, <laughs> now, now uh, Eric, can we go go back to two things about Ramsey here? Um, and and one one too. Uh, first off, we got to see one one rip a person a, a piece. In that half. was kind of cool. Yeah, that was that awesome. Was kinda cool. Um, and second. What's your opinion, Eric, of John in the middle of the battle as the general fighting hand to hand in the middle of the battle versus Ramsey, who's who's on on a horse in the background? Obviously, they're different Ram- types of fighters because John is a swordsman <laughs> and Ramsey is a bowman. But what does what was that? Does that say that Ramsey was a chicken, or does that just say that Ramsey was smarter, or does that just say that Ramsey knew that he wasn't? A swordsman, but a bowman. Ramsey is a better military leader uh, than oh, John Snow. Excellent answer, Erica. That's uh, a, a true unbiased answer, but continue. And and he had already proven that uh, to his father previously uh, with his little uh, staging of uh, taking out Stannis' camp uh, with his small little band of men. So clearly he's got a mind for strategy, uh, and he executed his strategy beautifully here. Uh, the only reason he didn't win this battle is because Baelish's troops showed up out of nowhere. Because um, otherwise he, he had it dead to rights. Uh, so yeah, he, he's the better military bind. John is a hothead. John fucked up. John screwed up their entire strategy because uh, that's how he is. Uh, <laughs> and that's how, and, and to, be, to be fair, it's not like this is new behavior for him. Uh, he does this kind of shit all the time. Uh, so that's just John being John. Uh, Ramsey was the better military leader, but uh, ends up on the wrong end of this one. Yep, yep, fair enough. No, nope, um, that's that's what I, I, I would have said too. So I, I was just wanted to see if I was right or was I just being biased because I thought Ramsey's character was a, was funny. Well. You know, you could argue about him being a coward. I don't think it's unfair to say he there was something cowardly, but it's, you know, I either there's not a whole lot of virtue, you know, for somebody like Ramsey in dying on the battlefield for a lost cause. Right, right, right. No, that that's true too, Mike. And and to be honest, it depends on your your definition of cowardly. Okay, fine, you know, but you know, you didn't see friggin' Rommel and, and Omar Bradley, and you know charging the beaches either so yeah generals generally don't fight on the front lines right right exactly and and that's the reason why they're leading the troops rather than fighting in the battle itself right uh so then to end off the episode we get the best scene ever um which is that they they tie ramsey to a chair uh and he's all bloodied up because john beat the living piss out of him um, and he had, we forgot to mention this during their little, uh, parlay on the war field. Uh, Ramsey had dropped a line about how he couldn't wait to feed these guys to his dogs. He hadn't given them any food for seven days. Uh, so they tie him to a chair and they put him in the kennel with his dogs, uh, and un, and unlock all the cages. Um, what is that? Sorry, that was my computer played something. Okay. Mike was listening to pornography. <laughs> By Gary so, Kasparov, yes. 
<laughs> so uh, he's tied to a chair, and we get this great scene where uh, where he's like, "You can't kill me," and she's like, "Oh, I, you're wrong." Uh, and then he realizes where he is, uh, and he's like, well, these are my dogs. They'll never hurt me. And she goes, well, I don't know. You haven't fed them for seven days. You said so yourself. Uh, and he's like, no, they're, they're loyal beasts. And she's like, uh, they were, now they're starving. Um, and then we get this beautiful scene of this big real dog coming up and getting up on Ramsey. And first he licks his face. Ramsey's like, no, get down, get down. And then we see this dog just bite his fucking face off, and it's beautiful. Uh, just crunch, and he starts screaming and screaming. And Sansa watches for a couple of minutes until the screams kind of turn into gurgles. Uh, and then all the dogs are barking as they're fighting over the corpse. And she walks away with a smirk on her face. Cut the credits. Now, uh, two, two things. Uh, a real-life scenario... Not non political, Eric, but a real life scenario. And uh, totally political. And directly yeah. related to uh this scene. Uh the first is isn't it depressing to know that if if we lived alone which Eric you actually do, and uh one of us it, you know, you, you suddenly hurt yourself and become sick and you can't move and your cats or or in my case my dog suddenly isn't fed anymore and begins to starve that they may chomp us. I'm fine with it. I'm dead anyway. But what? But yeah. As long as they wait, I'm good with it. Yeah, yeah. As long as they wait till I'm actually dead. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Because it, yeah, that's a fair point, I guess. But but I, I'm just horrifying to know that. My God, they may eat me, even though they love me now. There was there 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 was a great meme going around uh, today on Facebook that said, "Me after watching the Battle of the Bastards," and it shows a picture of this little kid. Who has dumped out an entire fifty-pound bag of dog food in front of this dog? <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome! <laughs> oh my god, I, I, I gotta see that. It was pretty right, funny. You, yeah, if you find it, uh, uh, share it on the Facebook group. That's awesome. Okay, we'll do. <laughs> yeah, it's pretty awesome. Um, now, the second thing, which is directly related to Game of Thrones itself, it was an interesting scene. For me, not because of what happened. I mean, that was just you know great and all that. Even though we did lose a great character, um, whether we like the character or not. But the thing that I'm curious is what your guys' opinion is. Which is, do you think John knew that Sansa was going to do this and participate in it, or would this be a surprise? Because it seemed somewhat out of character. I mean, obviously John was going to kill him anyway. We saw, but it was just odd because i i don't know if they would have i would have thought they would have just hung him or you know what i'm saying it just seemed like i know it's vengeance and revenge and all that stuff but it still was just a little weird well she she goes up to him she goes where is he (laughs) so i think at that point he pretty much knows what what's on her mind and if he'd really had an issue with it he wouldn't have told her where he was keeping him um but yeah, uh, he's yeah. on board with with uh, her, his sister getting revenge. I like what yeah. she's oh, and he stopped mind. and noticed he he was going to beat him to death and he stopped when he saw Sansa because he yeah. knows who deserved to beat him to death. Right. right. Um, I, I was curious at this point. Baelish was wasn't there, and I, I would have liked to see what he had to say about all this too, because Ramsey kind of made him look like a fool because mm-hmm. he he didn't 
predict or know enough about Ramsey. So I would have liked to seen him have a react, uh, interaction with Ramsey before Ramsey's death. But unfortunately, we didn't get to see that. Uh, um, that's fine with the way it went. Um, oh, God. Very few moments have ever satisfied me as much as that dog just biting his face off. That was fucking awesome. And I, I, I like it. I mean, if he was going to go, that's how he deserved because of how he, he killed one of his ex-girlfriends. Right. And, uh, and, a, where, and a baby. Yeah. <laughs> and, oh, and yeah. stepmom. Yeah, yeah. And she was actually a kind of nice stepmom. She wasn't oh, like yeah, a yeah. Disney stepmom. Yeah. Um, she, now, she, what do you think of the smirk? Well, I, I wanted, before, before we get to the smirk, Mike, I want to bring up her comments to him, which, which was brilliant, which was... Um, your your family won't be remembered. Your you won't be remembered. Um, your flag won't be remembered. In other words, she was literally erasing uh, his family. Right, and and again, this is a James Bond nonsense because whether she said any of this to him or not, it doesn't matter because once he's dead in seconds anyway. So whether he knew or not, the moment you're dead, everything that was. A meaning in his mind doesn't matter anymore because he's dead. So well, I'm it was, sure it was very satisfying for her, which was the point. Yeah, but I did like how that the point. I like the point, not not even that it was satisfying to her, but for the fact that everything she said was absolutely true. The Bolton family is completely gone from mm-hmm. the map. Period. Not just the, you know the loss of the battle, but they're gone. And and. Almost to like like what the Lannisters did to you know with the Reigns of Casterly, whatever it's called. That song is based off of some family called the Casterly family or something like that that they wiped out off the mm-hmm. face of the earth. So it was it was I, I like that. I, I it felt very real to me in the real world. Never mind um, in this show. But um, anybody want to comment on that or the smirk? Yeah, go ahead. Yeah. No, I was just gonna say. Uh, I like the smirk. Uh, a lot of people are are upset about it because they don't they don't want to see Sansa go dark like that. Um, just like they were upset when Arya started killing people. I've got no problem with uh, rooting for dark characters. Uh, so I I liked it and I thought it was completely appropriate considering what she had been through. And I don't even consider it dark. I mean, okay, it looks dark in the sense that you know, ha ha, I'm, uh, ha ha ha. But I I consider I looked at it more as. I, somewhat human because I mean there's there's two types of people. There's people that can just forgive everything and then there's the people that can generally forgive almost everything but some things you know and Ramsey was something that she you know was to a point where even someone that was quote unquote good in in Sansa's case could not necessarily forgive in the vengeance was was you know dessert so i i don't think i had problems with it because i don't think it affects her as a character because she's still going to go back to being the good i think she's still going to go back to being the good (laughs) person i don't know if i'd place money on that well yeah i I, I think see my thing is that i think this puts maybe a little bit of a damper on the, the, the Danny conspiracy theories because she's killed a lot of people deserving as well. Killing people who deserve to be killed seems to be a thing on Game of Thrones. Um, and I don't think anyone can really weep for Ramsay or or take um, yeah, take issue with, with Sansa feeling happy about 
killing the person who tortured her so badly. I don't know that that's an emotionally honest reaction, given all that he put her through. Um, uh, because, which, I mean, she she wasn't she wasn't punked. She was tortured and traumatized, and just having to deal with him still would have brought that all back. So I don't know that that is exactly the reaction I would expect a person to have. When so much as relief, I mean, even happiness that he's gone, but it's it just a smirk just didn't quite seem like the right one. But I, it's uh, yeah, I don't think it means that she's going to suddenly start you know feeding you know every person that she can get a hold of to the dogs either. No, I, I think I think her goal is any leader in war would have to do. So, in other words, sorry, Eric, but. You know, yeah, you, you have to. This is like ha- the sixth time this episode, by the way. You, you have to take out. At least I'm apologizing. You have to take out Mussolini. Then you got to take out Hitler. You got to take out Tojo. You got to take them out, and you got to round up the SS. You know, on and on and on. But we're not doing it for malicious reasons. Roosevelt and Churchill. They're doing it because that's how you end the war and bring people to justice for what they did. So. I think Sansa is going for, you know, Ramsey and Frey and all these other folks because it's the way it's war. And she's just trying to round up the the chessboard pieces and bring them to justice, whether that oh. was the right way to do it. She pro- actually, that was horrible what she did, because in theory, she should have put him on trial. And, you know, even if it was no, a fake fuck trial, that. that's stupid. But Phil, again, was Phil, is there some doubt about his guilt? No, of course not. But but and again, this is Game of Thrones world. It's not you know the Geneva Convention world. So I guess you're right. It doesn't matter. But all in all, I don't think it's a, a problem, and I don't see her as a person that's going to go out now and just say burn all the cities down like Daenerys said. I think she's just going after the certain. No, she, she got her revenge on the dude who did her wrong, and that's right. cool. Right, and and now she's going to go for the next one who will probably be Walter Frank. Well, here's what's not cool, though, which is that let's look at where the chessboard is right now. Because Sansa's such an idiot and didn't tell John about Littlefinger, basically 90% of the forces she had gathered got killed on the battlefield. So she's got Winterfell back, but who, who does she have allied with her now? Not very many people. Um... And and yeah, so uh, what's going to happen? Are the well, cars, are the car Starks on board? Are the Umbers on board? Is somebody going to come back and try and take Winterfell back? Do well, they have the forces to ward them off? Uh, well, I got I got your answer, Eric. Partially. All right, all right. The, um, the Umber and Car Stark armies are destroyed, or or are in prison uh, prison camps right now with the Bolton armies because they lost so they're kaput and and to be honest they were probably all killed by by the tully forces i mean you know so or whatever that group the are uh the billish forces Uh so i think they're all dead anyway so now it comes down to will the rest of the houses in the north now fall behind her in the star and that's what i'm saying she she's she's won back the north but what's there left to 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 lead uh Now she's going to get all the forces that refuse to fight, the ones that remain neutral between Boltons and Starks. So they're all now going to fall behind her because now they say, okay, now that the Boltons are gone and there is actually a Stark now back in 
Winterfell, let's go. We're, we're you know we we pledged to the Starks. We're back with the Starks. But obviously, the Car Starks and the and the Umbers are gone, and the Boltons are gone. But everybody else, I think, is coming in, and that's all the armies that didn't fight. So they're going to come in. Plus, you still have Baelish's armies, which didn't get affected at all, even though we still can't trust Baelish. So really. I think she still has the forces, even if she lost a lot of the wildling um, and and the, the sixty people that the Mormons gave her. Well, I think <laughs> I think the fact that you have well, and this is where it's going to be interesting. You have a lot of the forces in the north are gone, all right? But you also have a lot of the forces in the south are gone from still recovering from the the war of the five armies, uh, five kings. Well, that sorry, go ahead. That. The armies of the Dale, of the Vale, rather, and maybe the armies of the Riverlands might be okay. Well, right, they, they're, they're all in, in prison cramp, camps right now by, for the Lannisters. Uh, not the, necessarily the ones in the Riverlands, because they surrendered without firing a shot. And, you know, but if. That's, and, the, that's the, th- the key word you said, they surrendered, so they're in prison cramps. Not necessarily. Well, James you know, just, just, just let them walk just, away. Just, well, it depends on whether they pledge their service to uh, to Lord Fuckface or whatever he is. Um, <laughs> Walder Frey. To Walder Frey, right? So, well, what if, I mean, we don't know what's going on with Edmure. Did he, we know that supposedly he was offered, like, to be taken to Castle Rock. If his forces are, are promising not to cause trouble, why wouldn't you keep them? Um, but to me, it seems like you have some forces in the north, which would include the Vale, Um you have what's left over, the people who didn't participate, and the leftovers are the ones who did. You have this, you have uh, in Essos, now you have an army that's kind of fresh that's going to be coming over, and you've got King's Landing stuck in between. Well, it just seems to me that an awful lot, I mean, in the, in the series that we've watched so far, from season one to now, an awful lot of people have died in battle, uh, which means that troops have been been seriously depleted, and the battle that actually matters hasn't even started yet. Once the White Walkers come down, right? Uh, so who, it, my my concern at this point is who the fuck is going to fight the White Walkers because we're running out of troops. What, well, what about, guys. what about this? Maybe we're mistaken. And the White Walkers. Oh God, here we go again. The White Walkers aren't coming at all. They just wanted wanted to get everybody, all the humans off uh, off their side of the wall. Now now they got rid of them all, so they're all satisfied. You know who's <laughs> going to fight the? You know who's going to fight the White Walkers? Jon Snow, Bronn, Brienne, and Arya. They're going to hold off <laughs> the entire freaking army. And Sam, well, Sam will Sam will be there with his little Larian steel sword. I, I, I may be going on a limb here, but I'm not convinced. The others, or White Walkers, whatever the hell you want to call them, are are coming. I think uh, they may have. I, I think they may be done. That's it. We're not going to see them anymore. All right. As, sure. as a okay. as a force. Well, you're, why should they? They got they got no reason to come. Silly. You're silly, Phil. Just Dude, they're, they're just they're just hanging in there, relaxing. Just stop. Film. Just other than the fact stop. that it's been foretold since the first episode, I have no idea. <laughs> they're misunderstood. They're misunderstood. <laughs> They just want a hug. If, if the show started with their perspective, we'd be on board with them and not with the humans. You know that's uh, true. Well, that might be a fair point, actually. Yeah. It's all how you look at it. 
Exactly. I, I think we all should say that really the the best of them all were the Giants, and we're sorry they're gone. I am totally bummed about one one Diane. Seriously, I said, oh, just, I, I said I said last episode that I really hoped one one did die, but he's dead, and that's. But you know what? It's brilliant because we need a we need a good death. Someone the audience loves. Oh shit! And this will save us a ton on effects later too. So, <laughs> right. Right. I, I do wonder because you look at. I mean, and, again, and, it, and it's not a main cast member either. So they because right. that's good. Yeah. Back to nerd nitpicking is that. This guy's like wearing mammoth skins. You know, you got to figure like the layer of fur on him was like a foot thick. <laughs> I, I don't know that the arrows were really going to do that much damage. Admittedly, the last one going into his eye—that's that's well, that's a different story. He took a lot of damage. He took before he went down because uh, I, mean, I couldn't even believe he was running towards right, the he, castle. Cause he had he that took, little platoon moment, right, where he just dropped to his knees and ah, uh, you know. Uh, right, right. Will, Will, Willem Dafoe. Yeah, yeah the Willem Dafoe <laughs> platoon. Yep. No, but uh, even before that, when they were surrounded by the infantry, uh, he took quite a few spears even before he ran to the castle, busted through the door, and became a pincushion of arrows. So That's was, a good point, was, Eric. He got speared. It wasn't just arrows, Mike. It was spears. Yeah, but the, even the spears are designed to kill people. You it know, was pole arms, dude. They cause two to fifteen points of damage. <laughs> dude, those things take out everything. Two D tens, yeah, I know. And these, and these are only hill giants they, or frost giants. They, they ain't no no mountain giants. Okay, Phil, uh, <laughs> you have you have claimed before to me that you are not a nerd. Any doubt of that was just completely removed. You <laughs> are a nerd. Welcome to the group, Un- my friend. Unfortunately, Eric, guess who has the evidence? Uh, we do. No, Phil does. He are you recording? Yes. Oh, yeah, you're right. You're right. He could edit it out if he wants to. Yeah. He likes I mean, to I mean, things. I can testify, and you can testify. <laughs> but I mean, is it really worth the, the, the all the trouble of standing on street corners to prove, point out that Phil's, Phil's the nerd that he despises? He is. <laughs> Dude, the, the, the new genre is the new cool. There's no nerd this year. There's no nerd, geeks. nerd is the new cool. That's right. That's right. Oh, no, no, uh, I refuse. Which to, means that if you're not a nerd, term. you're not cool. Uh, anyway. Anyway. So, yes. I think we can all agree this was a really fun episode. Uh, uh wait a minute. Hold on. Let me ask you a question. Yeah. There wasn't was enough the se- seven, but, seven legs or arms in this episode. But was, was, was the hound in this episode? No. No. Was Braun in this episode? No. no. Did we see Marjorie's tits in this episode? No. Sucked. No. Totally sucked. <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, as, as I've noted, uh, at the very beginning of every episode, it tells you the, the rating system and, and what to expect. It was one of the things said no nudity or it didn't, usually it says nudity or sex, but it didn't have either of those. So we knew we weren't going to see Marjorie's, um, assets. So it is what it is, Mike. Yeah. Well, when they open up with the warning, you know, that this show contains, you know, scene language, violence and giant death, you know, it might be a problem. It was still good, even without those things. So, anyway... We'll get, we'll get to see that next week, probably. So, yeah, this now let me ask this. How would you compare this to the other... Uh, well, I don't know if you would say two or three battle, big battle episodes they've done before. I'm thinking specifically the Battle of the Blackwater yep. and in the, the Wall. In the I, don't know if you want to, I don't know if you would throw Hard Home in there also. Yeah, yeah I would throw that in there. Um, th- I would say, Mike, that this episode... Against the entire series, 
besides the chicken scene, was the yeah. best episode in, of Game of Thrones so far. Um, e- even without nudity, it was still the best episode so far, except for the chicken scene. <laughs> Uh, I think it was pretty damn solid. Uh, I liked it better than definitely the Battle of the Wall. Um, hard Home was pretty fucking awesome, and so was Battle of Blackwater. It's 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 hard to say, uh, but I I will say that I think this was absolutely uh, the best battle scene out of all of them. Even though they're all battles, uh, I kind of liked you know the wildfire one because there's stuff blowing up and that's cool. Uh, but I think just the battle here was so, uh, I can't say it's realistic cause I've never actually fucking seen a battle. Uh, but it certainly felt realistic to me. Uh, and, and definitely just had its moments. Well, you gotta love the Ramsey trash compactor, right? The, yeah, that was cool. Yeah. That, that was just such a, a great idea. I don't know if there's any real historical precedent there or is, something there like is. that. There is. I, I read. Yeah. The, and Benny off and Weiss was discussed. Uh, they took that from the, the, I think it was the Carathians did it to the Romans and the Romans were surrounded and all slaughtered by the Carathians. See, like if you're in that position, can't you just go, all right, fuck it. We win. You win. But, and that's what, well, that's the thing. I got to go home. And, Mom's calling. Benny off <laughs> and Weiss said that none of this came from from you know anything George R. R. Martin. They didn't actually say that, but what they said was is that all the ideas for the battle itself and how it played out on screen came from realistic medieval w- battles that have been written about by historians of that era. And so that's where they got the um the shields uh the shield wall and the surrounding and all these other things. And so well, it certainly seemed like a legitimate tactic. Yeah, yeah, and, and and sure enough, um, it worked. It worked. I did read one review that reviewer that said they didn't like it because it didn't feel uh like a Game of Thrones battle because uh it was too much like um a a different world, you know. And I was, I was like, ah, that's that's kind of lame, dude. I mean, but so what's looking at we're different talking is Ramsey here. Ramsey was a military genius, and this is his battle plan, and he came up with it. So it doesn't matter if we haven't. It doesn't feel like other generals in this world would have used it. Well, they're, 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 the four mentioned that we've mentioned are completely different things, right? You had uh, a, a, a siege on a castle at, from from ships at sea. Um, you had the siege on the wall, which was mostly told from within the wall, um, and then you had the the zombie battle. I mean, these are all. And this is this is a this is this is a battle of you know knights on horseback, and and by the way, you notice the armies that. We don't see until later seasons are on horseback, but the ones that we got to meet early on are have no horses. It's like it's almost like they got a better budget as later on, right? So, you know, it's almost, the, yeah, that's a fair point. Yeah, yeah the, the, like the black, the, the guys from the wall, the the wildlings, they don't get horses, but the guys from the Vale that we haven't seen their army before, they get to be on horses. Ramsey's army, they get to be on horses. These Stan, are all like Stannis' army was on Stan, horses. Yeah, yeah, okay, that's fair. So. And it's like I, there, and there's different things I like about each one. You know, like with both the Wall and the uh, Blackwater, you were involved in a lot more characters in that battle. Here, and, and I, I, actually, you know what? The Wall I've revisited, and I know a lot of people poo-pooed it when it came out, and I think it was because there were the episode right before it was so strong that the the back the Wall was like like kind of um, anticlimactic. 
because it was compared with the episode prior. However, I've gone back to that episode numerous times, and besides the stupid scene when John's crying for Egret in the middle of the battle, the, the, that whole whole episode was, was fucking awesome. Yeah, I th- I really like the way that was directed. There's that one the scene where there's the one shot as you go tour through the whole battle. Um and, and you were like there, you're connected to almost everybody involved, even if there were assholes like um the guy oh, that Jon uh, Snow eventually executed. Oh he was awesome too. He was a great character, even though he was a scumbag. Uh Oh my god, I can't remember his name because I was always the person that would bring his name up because you and Eric would always say, Oh, what the hell is that guy's name? And then I would say it. And I can't I forgot because he's dead now. God damn it, these people die and then we just forget all about them, like the Boltons. <laughs> like real people. Yeah, that's true. Like, that's a terrible thing to say, but it's absolutely true. It's, that's why it's terrible. And, and so and so anyway, it's and then you had just had the the whole uh the hard home was just so harrowing and so overwhelming. Um, and, and completely out of the blue. Like, this we've been building up to for, for years now. We were waiting for this. Nobody knew Hardhome was coming. Or at least those of us who didn't read the books. Mm-hmm. Well, Hardhome wasn't well, in the books. It wasn't in the books, yeah. That's that's from the future. Well, it was in the books, but it wasn't from a perspective of somebody who was there. It was you're just told that something happened, from what I understand. I don't even think it was in there. No, I, I think it was supposed to be in a future book, is my understanding. Okay, I, I was my understanding. Yeah, if it's if it's in a book, it's not one that's been published. Okay, but anyway, so yeah, so and and then this one is again, it's um, it's looking at it out of more of a Henry the Fifth sort of battle, and a more traditional. Uh, get ready to yawn again, Eric. More traditional war, the wrench English fighting on the on the plains <laughs> battle. Right, right, right. A historical reference there. Mike did it this time, Eric, not me. Yeah. It's almost like we live in a real world. Yeah. That somehow informs the events of the show. Whatever. So, what? So I think it's fair to say we're... Oh, Mike, what about you? You didn't say if you thought this was the best out of the four. I don't know that it was the best because I don't think I had the same... Uh, emotional attachment to the majority of the characters who were getting slaughtered. Um, really, when you look at it, you basically had Tormund, One One, and uh, and John were the only ones really in the battle, right? Yeah. Sansa was off, so it was really it was, and it was really just almost all about John. Although I was worried for Tormund for for a little bit there. <laughs> so was I. He was getting his ass kicked for. I was like, oh my god, no, Brienne. Uh, <laughs> Oh, and by the way, I have to say, Eric, you gave me credit for, and really, I don't, because, and you agreed, and and Phil said it. I, I think everybody knew that the 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 veil and Littlefinger were going to be coming in at the last minute. Right. I do have to admit, I was completely wrong with my my theory about Small John Umber and Shaggy Dog, and right, uh, I, I, they, I was, yeah, they were really dead. And pretty much once they brought Rickon out, I was, and he starts shooting arrows at Rickon. And you know they threw yeah it's, and they and they had thrown Shaggy Dog's head. You didn't see John go. That's awfully fucking small for a dire wolf. You know you didn't see him say something like that. <laughs> I was like, that would have uh, been priceless. That's awfully <laughs> fucking small for a dire wolf. You bastard, Umber! Don't fool us. That ain't no 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 uh, yeah, Shaggy Dog or whatever that was. Yeah, so uh, I so I got so I and and I gotta give him. 
say, you know, a lot of people, and, I, and this, I've really overinvested in ever since the Red Wedding, in grand conspiracy theories, right, on Game of Thrones, and I think Alice Thorn, Alice Thorn, I just remember this name. Alistair Thorne, there you go. I think, to their credit, they don't come up with these, because that's not really what Game of Thrones is about. I mean, you'll, you, it's, it's not about these machinations so much, although we know who the master manipulators are. You know what, though? I kind of guessed that Trojan horse was fake the moment Osher, the, the wall poster, died. Yeah. Because when, when, she, when the wall poster died, uh, th- that, was, that was like, okay, if she get, just got killed... Then it was intentionally uh, brought to Bolton. Yeah. So what about next week? Oh, next week. (laughs) I really hope we get to see it. I really hope it happens. The question is, uh, I mean, they they specifically mentioned locations of Cash's wildfire. Uh, Tyrion said it's under the Sept. It's under Red Keep. It's uh, under all the guild houses and it's under all the major thoroughfares. The question is, uh, will Cersei just detonate the stuff that's under the Sept, or is she, is she leveling the whole town? I think that's an excellent question. Um, I I don't. It'll either be two things, in my guess. She's going to level the whole town because she just wants. She's thinks the whole city betrayed her. Plus, she wants to take out not only uh, the Sparrows, but she wants to take out the Martells. Not the Martells. Uh, is it the Martells? What's Marjorie's family? Um, Tyrells. Tyrells. And I think she wants to take out all the Tyrells as well. So, And that will accomplish all of that. And Jamie right now is looking like he's a powerhouse, so I think she thinks the Lannister army will work and and solidify even without Castle Rock. I mean, not Cash Rock, uh, King's Landing is nothing more than a ruin. Mm-hmm. Or, or she's only planning to do a couple of places, like you said, Eric, but she's going to fuck up and, and everything's going to light and they go, holy shit, we just lit the whole thing. We're going to get out of here. And, <laughs> and then the whole place is going to blow up in it. So I think the whole city's nuked, whether it is intentional or not. My guess, it's going to be intentional because I think she wants to solidify the Lannister power by wiping out everybody that's a threat even if even if the tyrells aren't really a true threat because in theory Mm -hmm. the you know but i think she thinks they're they're worse more of a threat than they really are well i think whatever she tries she's gonna fuck it up um and it's already been prophesied that tommen's going to be going to die um so i think uh, that she's gonna whatever she tries, she's gonna fuck it up, and in the process, Tommen's gonna end up dead, and it's gonna be because of her. And so, she as long as Marjorie comes true, yeah, I, I see something sort of like, all right, we've put all the wildfire underneath this, the, the 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 great sept, light the fuse. All right, your enemies are done. Great, Tommen, 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 <laughs> Tommen. Where's Tommen? Hi, Sparrow. Right. Fuck. Okay. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah, so I whatever happens, I hope it's uh, just massive in scale. <laughs> I really want to see Wildfire just taking out King's Landing. Because I think it would just be it would just be fucking awesome if Danny shows up to King's Landing to take the Iron Throne 
and just like arrives to a pile of ashes. And she's like, uh, well, okay, now what? <laughs> well, we, have we had every, I mean, and they can break the formula as they did last season by putting Hard Home in episode eight. Um, have they had a big season 10, uh, episode 10 season? No, or, not really. Uh, usually, usually it's the, the, the epilogue. Yeah, usually it's a setup for the next season. Right, but we're only getting seven episodes next season, so they may have to put some good shit here. Right. That's, that's why I'm, I'm keeping hope that we might get to see some wildfire action. And I am hoping for some resolution to the whole Sparrow story at this point. Yeah, it's gone on for a bit. Well, yeah, I think the the Sparrow is done this season. That's my guess. So I think they're kaput. Uh, whether it takes out everybody or just them, I don't know. But I think that storyline may kind of wrap up with this episode coming up. Um, but I think that's going to be the only fun thing we get next episode. Uh, I think no, no it, you're wrong. You're wrong. What, oh, what else? Walter Frey's back, so we're going to have some good one-liners. No, he's he's so funny. Whatever. He's a loser. (laughs) (laughs) That scene. He's a betraying loser. When he was talking about the castle, that that scene was almost as good as the chicken scene because it was hilarious. It was pretty funny. I'll give you that. So so what we've established is as as long as Hitler had a sense of humor, Phil would have been okay with him. Yes, exactly. Well, a, te- a television um, show. This is all a television show. These little characters don't exist. This is all fake. <laughs> I like the bad guys in this show. This show. This is honestly one of the shows or, or movies. It doesn't matter each. That the bad guys I've actually enjoyed as much as the good guys. Usually, I either enjoy all the bad guys or all the good guys. But this show, I enjoy them both equally because they're all good characters. They, everybody is well written and well acted. And that's but why you it's don't. Such a great show. But you don't like Danny. But you think she's a bad guy. Um, I I don't like Essos. <laughs> I Fair hate enough. Essos. And her whole arc where what they should where she had to find the Dothraki family, and then they all get wiped out, and she and then now six seasons later, she just has them all again. And it's right. like, oh, that was Christ that was sakes. a bit uh, bit circuitous. Uh, but I think next episode, what we're going to get is uh, hopefully we get some wildfire action. Uh, I think we'll see Arya get on a boat, and then that's it. Uh, I think we'll see Danny and her dragons leave for somewhere else, and then that's that'll be all we get there. Um, I think uh, we will see Brienne join back up with Sansa at Winterfell. Did anything and- happen while I was away? <laughs> exactly, uh, and and we'll get a glimpse of the Hound. I, I don't know where he'll end up. He'll end up somewhere with the Band of Brothers. Oh, and don't forget that that this is the episode that Stannis comes back to. Yeah, whatever. Um, the what, decapitated Stannis. Yeah. What What about uh, we never saw it happen? Um, it was told. What? She, it is she known. Was, she was lying. She was lying. Um, let me ask you this, guys. Because yeah, Brienne is such a dishonest person. We we haven't. It, when it comes to about Stannis, absolutely. Um, <laughs> Stannis lives. I, 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 I'm, I'm spray painting it all over the, the city. Stannis <laughs> lives. <laughs> all right, but anyway, uh, on a serious note, Jeremy, what about his story? Because we see him in next week's coming attractions, and right now he's becoming a powerhouse and a military genius, or at least a 
someone a genius at least somewhat. So the question is, what his role this coming episode, and how important will it be, or or not? And I'm curious what you guys think. I think he's they're hiding stuff about Jamie's arc that we don't know about that's going to happen next episode. Jamie already said he wants to get back to Cersei, so I think that's where he's headed. The question is what will have happened in King's Landing by the time he gets there. Um, Yeah, so he might arrive back in King's Landing to find a pile of ashes. Uh, Maybe Cersei will be alive. Maybe she won't. Uh, If she is, she may have killed their son, which might make him angry. So we'll find out. Mm, good point. Yeah, good point, Eric. Yeah, I, I I was playing a game, mental game of who's alive, who will die, and who will die by whose hand. Um, <laughs> that is know, a fun game to play, isn't it? Well, yeah, because right. We're going to lose people next week. There's no doubt because it's a season and you know season finale. Well, probably, and so I mean, really, obvi- I mean, I don't think Cersei's going to make it through the end of the series. Maybe the season, but I don't think she's making it through the end of the series. And the question is, who gets to kill Cersei? And there I, are I so it's Arya. Arya's there are so many people who have a reason to kill Cersei. Uh, even on Game of Thrones, she's got a lot of candidates, right? You have Tyrion, you have Arya, you have Sansa, um, you have Jon Snow, you have you have you have Marjorie. There's so many people who. Yeah, oh, you have Baelish. Uh, maybe Baelish. You obviously have Ned Stark, but. He's not making it back. Um, oh, the Sand Snakes, the Tyrells. Yeah, but I think what's going to what would be the most the dramatic? Everybody <laughs> wants her dead. What Baratheons? There aren't any left. I don't know. Whatever. Any every the, the common folk on the street that she pissed. <laughs> oh, absolutely. Well, that's it. You know, it's, at least um, they get to see her naked. Yeah, it's. Uh, I I think the one that would give the most dramatic impact would be. You know, if it has, ends up being Jamie, and if she does something, either that she fucks up so badly, or that she's about to do something so horrible that he has to go all uh, Mad King again and and kill his sister. Oh, like, that would be sweet if he stopped her from blowing up King's Landing. Yeah, uh, by stabbing I, I, her in the back, just like he did with the Mad King. I think this is what's going to happen, and. Uh, not related to killing her or her death, but I think she's going to blow up the whole city, nuke it, and try to wipe out all the the, Marta, uh, the Tyrells and, every, and everybody. And the problem is, is that Jamie, b- being who he is now, at least in this series, is going to go. My sister just fucking blew up an entire city. Is she fucking insane? And I think that alone is going to make him turn his back on her. That's, as much as whether as much, whether Tom and dies or not, as much as I would love to see King's Landing burn, uh, I'd be willing to give that up if if Jimmy uh, repeated the Kingslayer only with his sister. I, that that would be satisfying enough plot wise that I'd be willing to give up the spectacle of the wildfire. Although it's been uh, seen in a vision, so I think we're going to get wildfire. Let me ask you this: This is a we have never really discussed this, but. Where is Jamie going to be at the end of this show? Is he going to be joining Team Sansa, or is he going to be one of the victims 
or, or, or you know. <laughs> Notice that, that Phil's options. Are you going to be a victim run over or are you going to just be Team Sansa? <laughs> well, there's no, there's no other team. I mean, who cares about the rest? So my guess is, well, let me say why I said Team Sansa instead of someone else is because he's buddies with Brienne and Brienne is over on Team Sansa. So will he join up with the North or do you think he's going to be one of the people that, that rolls over like all the other, the Ned Starks and the Ramses? I think if, if everything blows up in King's Landing and everybody he cares about there is dead, uh, then he could head back North and join up with the fight against the White Walkers. Right, I think as long as his sister's alive, he will go down with his family. No, but one what, way or another, oh, yeah. kaboom, ching. But once Cersei is out of the picture, and especially if Cersei and Tommen are out of the picture, um, he has no family left. He has nothing left to, to die for, uh, and nothing left to live for either. So he's going to have to find a new purpose in his life. And maybe some, this is really depressing. Yeah. And it, it may be uh, defending his nation. It may be someone who's rather tall and blonde um, will be his new purpose. But he will have to find his special purpose. And so I think it's all going to depend on whether he's, you know, on how long Cersei lives and whether he's with her when she goes out. But what happens if Cersei isn't taken out and he turns his back on Cersei's because he figures out that she's a psychopath and insane and evil. I don't know that I, I'm not sure. Um, does he kill her or is she still alive? I, I'm still not sure he can actually walk away from her. Hmm. I think he has right. a massive blind spot. Alright. Alright, that's fair. Yeah, because I, I, it's curious because we always talk about who's, you know, Marjorie or this person or that person, gonna, are they going to be there? But we always forget Jamie because we just look at him as like a peripheral general type guy rather than a character. Well, that sorry, could, I didn't mean to cut yeah. you off. Go ahead. I was just, no, just, just going to say that uh, the show hasn't done him any favors as a character. Uh, he's really been marginalized the past couple of seasons. Until this season. This season, I think. Yeah. Well, they important. tried not to marginalize him and they just gave him a shitty story arc. <laughs> well, yeah, last se- well, I don't, you know what's funny? I think that's more like it, Eric, because last season he had a huge arc. It's Unfortunately, it was with the Sand Snakes. Right. Um, this season it's been pretty good um, because, he, you know, with going to Walter Frey and all that. Uh, not Walter Frey, the, the River Run. And that was a pretty cool episode last week. Yes. Uh, that, um, but uh, and prior to that, his scenes, his he was a bad guy, but he was pretty important. And then, then there was the scene when he was with Brienne, and those were pretty cool too. So, I think I think what happened was his last season, his the whole Sand Snake arc destroyed his his character, and like like everybody pretty was much, yeah, yeah. And but fortunately, they're kind of rejuvenating it now. I think, yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, either way, uh, next week they're supposed to have a longer episode than usual, isn't that right, Mike? You read. Yeah, it's like their their record length episode. Um, yeah. yeah, and then then we got to wait a whole year again, which kind of sucks. It's it's like yeah. waiting. NFL, it's like waiting for September and for the NFL. It is it kind of is? Yeah, but but it sucks because in because that's what I hate about the NFL. It's like I'm all excited, but it starts getting cold, and I hate the cold. So. <laughs> 
Yeah, but in the fall we'll have uh, we'll have Westworld. Maybe that'll be worth watching. Yeah, yeah, I'm that looking forward to that. Good. Yeah, it looks pretty good. Yeah, yeah. We, maybe we we do we should do the episodes on that. Let's do a uh, podcast on that because and start right from the beginning because it yeah. looks like that one's going to be as big as um, Game of Thrones. You know nothing, Yul Brenner. <laughs> uh, oh no, no, and I don't mean any disrespect to Yul Brenner or Michael Crichton, but. Don't smoke podcast. Huh? Huh? They both died of lung cancer. Oh, oh. Uh, we did yeah. not know that. Yeah, but Yul Brenner died of lung cancer, and so did Michael Crichton, and they both were Westworld folk. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yul Brenner did those commercials where he he was already dead, and he and oh, that's right. Yeah, and he wanted to let folks know that you know I'm I'm now past. You're watching this, you know, but so don't smoke. And then, of course, Michael Crichton, unfortunately, passed due to uh, lung cancer. However, a, a dead man speaking from the grave is still not nearly as creepy as the Burger King commercials. So <laughs> that's true. <laughs> that's, but that's what makes those Burger King commercials so cool is because it's so creepy. Oh, how about a child molester as our mascot? <laughs> that's terrible that's terrible uh, somebody beat him too early Mike that's even worse say that but either way um, uh, we'll, we'll discuss that sometime offline if, if we want to do something <laughs> like that but uh, um, yes all in all um, um, looking forward to the season finale that means we have two more episodes of uh, you know nothing, John Snow, a Game of Thrones podcast because we will do our wrap up episode after the following week after next week's episode, and that will discuss like uh, like we did last year, right? We'll have uh, best scenes, uh, best actor not in the main credits, you know, things like that, and we'll throw whatever. So, yep. Uh huh. So, uh, all right. Any, any further things on uh, this episode or what's coming up? Anyone? All right, so I guess uh, thanks for listening. So, Eric, why don't you lead us out? All right, thanks for tuning in and listening to us talk about the Battle of the Bastards. Come back next week. We'll be talking about the season finale. Happy shitting. Stannis will come back. <laughs> You're insane. 